This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday. You're listening to the Biohazard Declassified Podcast. Hello, everyone. It's Andy and Matt the Marvel here from Biohazard Declassified. I trust you're all doing well. Got a very, very special guest here. Introduce yourself, my friend. How are you? Good morning, everyone. Uh, this is Alex. I'm known as CVX Freak on uh, social media. Good morning. Very, very grateful to have you on today, Alex. We're, we're, we're going to be we're going to be diving in with the CVX free. We're going to be going into all kinds of details, but most importantly, what have you got coming out? Run us, run us through it. Oh, uh, you're talking about my book, right? I am indeed. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, as maybe you haven't heard, but I did finish writing a Resident Evil book uh, at the end of last year, and it was funded on the UK publisher site unbounded so it's done a lot better than i thought it would thankfully uh we have we're at what is it now 143 percent funding which is way over the goal obviously and 850 supporters so far so thank you all very much uh the book is about the development of the resident evil series in the first 10 to 12 years of uh the series lifespan and i interviewed almost every creator from the era about their experiences and their intentions and motives for developing the Resident Evil games at that time. And they had a lot of interesting things to say. So I'm glad that uh, in due time, the book will will eventually come out and people will be allowed to dive into those uh, developer anecdotes. So I'm really excited. Uh, the other day, I just finished uh, reading a legal a legal draft of the book and it's been cleared for the most part so we should be well on our way to publication uh in i think in april of next year oh awesome so So, a little bit of time left to go but yeah so you said 12 years so this puts us from the original original that came out in 1996 that will put us all so between 1996 and 2008 is that what you're saying uh, maybe up until 2006, because the first game uh, began development in 1993-1994. So it took about two years before the first game would come out. So it includes, I guess, those one to two years before the game, the first game came out. So yeah, I say 10 to 12, just because in their heads, they think it's 10 years. But in reality, it's 12 years. So <laughs> mm. this is a this is a very unique concept, actually, because, you know, we're, we're often seeing like the S.D. Perry novels, uh, the, the, mm. the mangas, uh, the comics of Resident Evil. But to have a, a nonfiction um, book about the Resident Evil development, I think is really fascinating. So give us your, give us your thoughts on why specifically this why specifically this style of book? Why, why, why Itchy Tasty and why why are you going mm. into the developmental history? Well, so I, I work in the game industry and I've been I've been in it for about 10 years now and I do a lot of business development. So 
personally speaking, I'm very interested in how video games are created uh, from a production uh, standpoint. So, you know, for the average person, you know, a game just gets developed and it comes out. But the reality is these are multi-year endeavors and they take a lot of time and planning and things change throughout development and people, creators might have different intentions than what fans can perceive. So I thought it would be very interesting for me to talk to the developers of the Resident Evil series throughout throughout its history and kind of get a sense of what what they were doing. Were they just make were they just doing their jobs and making a game so they can take home a paycheck every day or did they have other intentions in terms of the I guess their creative output or if you're on the business side what what were your motivations for trying to sell a game in a specific way? Uh, I'd like to preface for those who don't know, but I actually do live in Japan. I'm originally from San Francisco, but I moved here about 12 years ago and I am fluent in Japanese. So I feel like I'm in a unique position to talk to these developers directly in their native language. So I can, uh, I can I can talk to them in a way where things won't either get lost in translation or they won't they, they won't be filtered eventually when they make it onto the Western media in a more uh, typical interview. So the other the other thing is I do have good relationships with almost every developer of Resident Evil from from the very beginning, and I did talk to a lot of the directors of the first uh, four Resident Evil games. So. Oof. It was it was a fun experience, yeah, and a lot of it is thanks to the fact that I do work in the industry and I did have relationships with these people through my main job, but I also managed to uh, form personal relationships with them. And a few years later, the the end result is the book that I wrote. So I hope people enjoy it. Hmm. Uh, yeah, as I said, it's it's a, it's a, as you and as you rightly put, you're in a very very unique position. Going back to 90, so we're at 1993-1994. We're looking at a little bit of gameplay here on Resident Evil 1. Um, as much as you can or as, as little as you can, talk us through uh, the original development process of the first Resident Evil, or Biohazard, of, of course, as it's known in uh, in Japan, um, uh, to the best of your knowledge. Sure. Yeah, it looks a little different here than uh, what we're used to, I think. Uh, but the... As the story goes, uh, in the 80s, Capcom released a game for the Famicom called Sweet Home, and that was based Mm. on a Japanese horror movie. Uh, Very niche. It wasn't terribly famous or successful. Um, But the person who spearheaded that game, his name was Tokuro Fujiwara, and he, he was basically Capcom's senior producer or executive producer on the console side of development. Uh console and arcade being the, the 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 two big divisions of Capcom at the time and although Sweet Home wasn't terribly successful compared to other games like Mega Man for example uh the Fujiwara really wanted to continue the idea of making horror games into their own genre and so he he spent a few years trying to figure out how to make horror games into a thing, but unfortunately, the hardware at the time just wasn't uh, capable enough to to bring to life a credible form of horror gaming. So <clears throat> things changed in 1993, and 
uh, by Fujiwara's own uh, his own memory, his own memory or his own admission, uh, the first time he felt that it would have been possible to to bring back survival horror as a concept was when he saw uh, two games, uh, Star Fox on the Super Nintendo with the with the uh, Star Fox. Yeah, it was called Mode Seven, right? The, Something the 3D, like that. Oh, the Mode Seven polygon. Yeah, yeah, sure. Exactly. The, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> he saw Star Fox running on the Super Famicom and with polygons, and he also saw Virtua Fighter in the arcade. So when he saw those two games, he realized that this could be their chance to finally, you know, do what Sweet Home couldn't do and make make an actual credible survival horror game. So this was around late 1993, I think. And so at this point, Fujiwara was no longer creating games himself. He was just a producer. So he he sought out a younger person at Capcom who could direct the project from a creative standpoint. And he decided to choose Shinji Mikami, whom we all know, because uh, Mikami had demonstrated that he was a very capable uh, planner, uh, especially for the Aladdin game that he made on the Super NES. So Mikami was, just, was put in charge of the... Uh-huh? No, I was just saying, which has gone in a great cult following, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikami has always been a very a talented creator and very he has a very sharp mind. Uh, I think in terms of being able to perceive, you know, how people react to things. So yeah, Mikami had never directed a game before, I don't think, but he, he accepted the project and the team was pretty small and there were a lot of challenges uh, with regards to the game's development that they had never faced before. Uh, for example, I think most people should, should know that the original Resident Evil was originally intended to be a first person shooter. I was just about but, to mention uh, that. Yeah, go on now. The hardware, yeah, the, the hardware wasn't capable of that. So they ended up adopting the, the pre-rendered backgrounds uh, that we are very familiar with today. So th that would probably be the way I would describe the birth of Resident Evil from Sweet Home until it was eventually greenlit. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know about the fact that uh, Star Fox and Virtua Fighter were the two games that kind of served as it's for the producer to green light the project because that it's, it's really, yeah, the, exactly yeah the producer in a japanese game company a producer is a lot like a project manager but they also have a lot of sway in getting things green lit so it, some people have this image that the director is at the top of the project which can be which can be true uh especially in a lot of western game development projects but in japan a lot of the power does rest in the hands of the producer. So really just, very just, picking interesting up, stuff. just picking up on your point about um, it being a first person shooter. Cause I think that's a, that's a very, very, um, I think mind blowing aspect that even, and it's weird looking at it now because resident evil now is, you know, all in with first person with resident evil, oh, 7, yeah. resident evil eight. So how far did, to your knowledge, how far did they get with the first-person concept before they went, oh, do you know what? We need to do a, a, what I now regard as a typical Capcom thing of throwing the baby out with the bathwater and starting again. I mean, where did they actually get to? Was it literally just pre-production? And then and then they said, right, hardware can't cope. Let's write out. Or did they, did they at least get to, like, early, early programming? That would be my understanding. Uh, they... They, they assembled the production team, uh, which was 
I, I guess at the very beginning, it would have been 10 or so people. I have to go back and check the actual numbers. But sure. um, I mean, a, a lot of the, the first steps of game development in Japan are people sitting in a room and talking all day and making rough sketches uh, of, of all the different concepts and drafting up the ideas. I believe they tried to code very early on, like a first-person a Resident Evil game in first person, but I think they they understood the limitations of the hardware very early on, and so it was like I believe, very rough. Yeah, I believe um, there were some first person shooter games on PC that already at the time, uh, but they were all pretty much Western developed games. So mm-hmm. Japanese game development wasn't terribly familiar with the. <laughs> the the creation of the first person shooter so i think they didn't get very far uh before they adopted the new the third person viewpoint instead now do do you know like if sweet home was like the isometric view was kind of like maybe a precursor to like the fixed camera angles that we have now or that we did have i would imagine uh a little bit, but I do know that Fujiwara didn't... I mean, he wanted to remake Sweet Home, right? That was the 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 high-level concept, or the low-level concept, rather. Like, he wanted to bring Sweet Home back, but he also realized that Sweet Home was not successful due to a variety of factors. And part of that is the fact that the, the isometric viewpoint was not considered to be very scary. Uh, by most people who who played the game. So they wanted to change things up a bit in order to uh, not repeat the same mistakes that they made uh, with Sweet Home. So on that point of, on that point of, um, so we we, we spoke about the pre-production of Resident Evil 1. Moving into more of the live action, because I found that really quite fascinating about the first Resident Evil was the the live action stuff, and I'll splice it in in just a second. But have you got any backstory to that? Why they specific? Why they didn't just go fully? Uh, I, I mean, obviously, it would have been quite early CGI. I mean, in 1996, but why why did they go for the live action and not just text or something like that? I think they. I mean, it was obviously a very low budget affair like the shooting of the live action scenes they hired random uh american or 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 western actors who happened to be living in japan and who were willing to work for uh i guess that was a week that they should that they shot that video maybe maybe a little less that took a week uh i would probably yeah i think you know people on the development team have very different memories of how long it took but it was about a week i think uh and yeah, it was just very basic and uh, very basic shooting, very basic editing. I think uh, CG as a mainstream element of PlayStation games was still a bit far off, uh, maybe another two years away. So this was the, the the most this was the most feasible way they can include like actual people or people like depictions in the game. Sure. Uh, I think I think they really wanted Resident Evil to come off as very realistic and more immersive than than any of the other games that Capcom had made up until that point. And as far as Japanese games were concerned, something like this was extremely unusual at the time. So it made that 
a bit of a novelty and especially being the first thing that people see when they start the game up. Uh, I think it, it, it was very successful in making a name for the franchise early on. Did the developers at the time, and again, you can only foresee so much, but did they realize what they were working with was very state-of-the-art and that they knew the second it released, it was going to garner a ridiculous following? I I don't get the impression that they had um, grandiose ambitions at the time of development. I do think that they realized they were making something unique, which was fine in and of itself, but that's not such an unusual uh, viewpoint to have for a Japanese developer when they make a game. Um, Capcom as a company had very low expectations for the game, actually, in terms of its commercial potential commercial performance. Uh, I think, I think the, I think Capcom expected the game maybe to sell 50 to 60,000 copies, which wasn't really a lot uh, at that time. Fujiwara, on the other hand, was very confident in the game's success. So really, uh, he, he, he had his own, he, he felt it would be more successful than the people at Capcom were giving it credit for. Now, here's an interesting uh, anecdote. Uh, I, I do know that Mikami has talked about this in some detail uh, with Polygon a few years ago, but Resident Evil was actually almost canceled. Wow. Oh, please, please, please indulge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, in... If we look back at Capcom's history, they made a bunch of NES Famicom games, and then they made Street Fighter II for the arcade and for consoles. And Street Fighter II was a very successful game, but the the thing is, by the by the mid nineties, nineteen ninety five ish, uh, the the Street Fighter II boom had kind of run its course, and Capcom had been unable to come up with a successor title that can repeat Street Fighter II's uh, popularity. So I, the, the company was also like not as big as it was today. So it was very much a business that can go under uh, if, if the wrong decisions were made. Uh, this was in the mid-90s. Uh, but yeah, I think the management at Capcom at the time had, 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 had asked one of the big consulting firms uh, in, in the U.S. to evaluate the business uh, and that consulting firm apparently recommended that the Resident Evil project be canceled due to the unlikelihood of it <laughs> experience of, of it meeting of, of it being successful. And apparently Capcom's management was very close to listening to that uh, or heeding that consulting company's advice, but Fujiwara intervened at the end and um, pushed the game out before but before capcom could cancel it that is that is and, an unreal anecdote ugh. yeah it's it's surprising to hear that resident evil could have just not ever come out right and i think that would have changed gaming history but the game did come out and it was far more successful than uh even fujiwara who thought it would be successful did not realize it would be that successful it was one of the first if not the first PlayStation game to sell over a million units uh, globally. And yeah, that pretty much spearheaded the Capcom, the Capcom's history in the second half of the 90s. So it was almost not a thing. And it's kind of 
sad to hear that, but I'm glad that I'm glad that the that Fujiwara told the consulting company to shove it because these are those consulting companies that you pay thousands of dollars an hour for, you know, just to get advice on how to run your business. But you know, if they make <laughs> bad decisions, that like that. <laughs> no, agreed, agreed, and and thank you for sharing that. That is that, that that's knowledge that I wasn't I wasn't. Aware that, of. That, that's that 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 kind of gives you like that that like that oh. I almost died feeling like, oh, oh I almost didn't make it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, that's, that's, and that's something I wanted to touch on as well. Um, obviously, uh, Biohazard uh, being, a, being a, a Japanese-produced um, game, did what were they like when – I don't want to say this. What, how did they feel when they sent it to international markets? Did they realize – the, the the absolute magnitude of how successful it was in in, uh, in foreign regions like the UK for example and in the US mm. I mean what was their approach to that did they think <clears throat> right we know this is going to be successful domestically um, or did they go right well actually we really want to we really want to market this towards towards international territories mm. yeah interestingly enough Resident Evil's initial success primarily came from Japan um, and I do, I do think time lag does kind of factor into that because unlike today, we don't have like continuous streams of information from whatever country you want to, you want to look into. Uh, but Japan was definitely the first country where Resident Evil was truly big. Uh, and North America followed not too long after, but yeah, I think the intention for the original Resident Evil not wasn't necessarily to cater to Western markets. That was still a very bizarre or unheard of concept in, in Japanese game dev back then. Um, a lot of the focus did come on the home market because I think back at back in the day, I think Japan was still the second largest. I mean, it still is today, but I think Japan was one of the largest video game markets uh, at the time. I think a lot of yeah, Japan and the U.S. and I guess, or I guess North, North America, including Canada. But I think Europe, which was already big, but not as big as it is today. So Japan and the U.S. were definitely the priorities for, for Capcom. Uh, and I think that's reflected in the fact that Resident Evil only came out a week later in North America. So, uh, yeah, I think I think they wanted Westerners to like the game. But I don't know if that was specifically like a requirement for the game yeah. to be greenlit right oh that makes sense so so, so, they, so they, their main aim in your eyes was always that they wanted it to be successful domestically pretty much at all costs and then we'll worry about international territories later down the line kind of uh they they weren't sure how resident evil would perform in any country it was released in uh it, it could have it could have been successful in Japan, but not anywhere else, right? Or it could have been successful overseas, but not in Japan, right? That thing, things like that are definitely very possible. Uh, isn't that why we get a lot of Japan exclusive titles now? Is because oh, hey, this isn't going to do well overseas, so let's just keep it here. And I, I'm sure that was the case for Resident Evil at one point. Mm. 
this holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. Uh, actually, I mean, I always, the way they spoke to me was always planned as an international thing. It wasn't Mm. ever going to, it wasn't ever going to be released only in one region, but they just weren't sure how the market as a whole would react to Mm. it. So uh, they were lucky with, uh, with Street Fighter 2, that was the definition of a global of a global phenomenon. Like no matter what continent you were on, people were, you know, people knew about Street Fighter 2 and they definitely, definitely enjoyed it. Mega Man, on the other hand, was a lot less successful in Japan than it was in other regions. So Capcom had experienced both kinds of, both kinds of cases. And I think as the third case where a game is successful in Japan, but not anywhere else, I think Breath of Fire was that one series for Capcom, I think. I was the one that was big in Japan, but not really big in the West. So they weren't really sure. And mm. obviously, you know, Sweet Home aside, Resident Evil was very different from anything that they'd released before. It was also a PlayStation game. And that was still a very new market at the time. Like in 1996, people still weren't sure whether the PlayStation would be around for the long haul. Uh, I think the Saturn was performing just as well, or if not better at the time. And I think Nintendo's, Nintendo was coming to market within a few months. So there was a lot of uncertainty with, with video games in general at the time. So it was very hard for anybody at Capcom to really predict just how things would play out. Mm. And that's it. That, that's an, that's a fantastic point. That is just like, poof. like when you really think about it, cause this isn't, yeah, this is 1995, 1996. You forget the bigger picture, what was going on. Sony, you know, this was Sony's first big, you know, they, they had the Nintendo PlayStation concept, which didn't end up going ahead. And, yeah. and this exactly. is, I mean, when was, when, when did the PlayStation come? Was it 1995 or 1994? It was December 94 here, but okay. the, the following year, I, I think like in September. Okay. Yeah, like in September or so in, in North America. I don't remember the, the European yeah. release date, unfortunately, but... It's kind of so, unreal to think that there were nine month gaps. And this puts all of your, all, all of your points here into, and all of your ad- anecdotes into one, one massive cycle here, because Capcom had bought in, had bought in consultants like to manage their business. They already had the uncertainty of the PlayStation, which was re- very recent. And they were trying out a new IP that they were sinking money into. There are just so many uncertainties here, which you would not be surprised if one Absolutely. of these fell down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the a lot of it just comes down to luck, right, or chance, right? And uh, they, 
They chose the PlayStation because that was the, the more so than the Saturn. That was a very 3D focused game hardware, and it was a lot easier to develop for PlayStation than it was for Saturn. But as we look at other developers around the world, I think Tomb Raider was a Saturn game first, right? So there were sure. companies who who prioritized that system instead of the PlayStation. So if the Saturn had been a huge hit and the PlayStation not, then mm. you know history could have changed like in that regard as well, particularly with Resident Evil 2. But yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, it seems so easy and deliberate, you know, for looking at it from the outside, but there was a lot of uncertainty uh, with regards to production of video games at the time, regardless of Capcom's financial health, right? right? That being another thing. Great. <laughs> so, and something I've completely forgot to address, kind of a, a little bit of an elephant in the room, actually. We're talking about mm -hmm. early, early Resident Evil. Resident Evil, why, what, was Capcom really affected uh, because they couldn't use the biohazard name in overseas uh, territories? Mm. I completely forgot not to cover that. Um, because, you know, it was biohazard in Japan. I'm imagining some sort of – they were held up with some sort of copyright in the U.S. So they couldn't, they yeah. couldn't use biohazard title. Have you got any sort of uh, thoughts or, um, or anecdotes around that? Yeah, I think Biohazard was definitely supposed to be the name uh, in the West, but I think the 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 trademark was held by by a band. Right. So Capcom would have to pay royalties to that band in order to use the name Biohazard, and uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding very harsh, but Capcom uh, is very conservative with how they spend money and how they budget things <laughs> to, to say nicely so they don't capcom as a company doesn't like to spend money when they don't have to and they realize that maybe changing the name would be a lot more financially cost effective right because they didn't again they didn't know if the game would be successful so they didn't want to want to potentially find themselves in a situation where they were paying royalties you know endlessly agreed on uh, on a on a video game that very much does not depend on the success of that IP holder, right? Another another so, uncertainty. Another uncertainty. Yeah. Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. So they they changed the name, and you know the, there there is precedent for this. Like most of Capcom's NES games have different names in Japan versus the West. So there's Mega Man and there's Rock Man. Mm. Um, I think one of the Bionic Commando games. I think the NES version of Bionic Commando is called Hitler's Revenge in Japanese, right? So oh, wow. they've been <laughs> I didn't Hitler's know that. Revenge or Hitler Strikes Back. Uh, if you played the game, you'll notice that there are a lot of Nazi-like characters. Yeah, I just didn't know so they, that. So they, they changed the title for that. Um, Street Fighter was the same, but you know all the subtitles were different depending on which, which territory you were talking about. So it's it's not like having a different name was something that was unfamiliar to Capcom as a company. So they, I would argue, they were familiar with that kind of issue to deal with. So I don't think I don't think changing the name to Resident Evil was really anything more than just making sure they didn't step on anyone's toes. Oh, cool. Well, I'm happy that that was that didn't cause a massive fuss. And obviously, Resident Evil as a brand is 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 really strong. Uh, and so is the biohazard. So credit to him for both maintaining mm. it. As we 
as we so we, we spoke about Resident Evil One. We're gonna we're gonna start to move closer to Biohazard Two, Resident Evil Two, and uh, we've got some gameplay of Resident Evil One Point Five here. What sort of what, what are your thoughts about Resident Evil One Point Five, and what was the if if you have if you have the if you have any anecdotes, what are your what are your what are your anecdotes behind Resident Evil One Point Five, the development process and whatnot? Mm, well, the director thinks the game is shit. His words. <laughs> oh yeah, well, <laughs> so, he'd be inclined uh, to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not that the game was in and of itself like unable to be released. It's just that by the time Resident Evil Two came out, Capcom knew that they had a property they can milk for all it's worth. <laughs> right? That oh, sounds okay. really bad, but they. This was the, the Mega Man company and the Street Fighter company, and they wanted to do the same thing with Resident Evil, where they churned out as many as they could. Uh, but they realized that the game had to be good from entry to entry in order for the series to be to to, to sustain its uh, level of success. And everyone I've ever spoken to in the development team didn't actually like how this game was turning out. And I think there's a completed version out on the internet somewhere uh, that, that that was created when people compiled the development code and they were able to finish it. And I've played some of it, but I actually have never been able to finish it because I actually don't think it's a very good game. So you're not uh, a fan anyway. either? Not, I mean, compared to what came out, no. Is it a oh fascinating piece of development history? Yes, but I... Great. I just think the the final Resident Evil Two is a lot better. That intrigues that, that's really... me so much that you do you ended up yeah. not liking it either. Huh. I mean, maybe I'm just biased. Uh, maybe <laughs> I'm tainted because I, I have a great relationship with Hideki Kamiya, uh, mm. and I, I, I before COVID nineteen anyway, I, I met up with him every once in a while. We did a we did a live stream together last year. Uh, and he's never had a good thing to say about this game. He, oh. he he sees it as a failure, and his in and uh, evidence of his inability at the time to really hone in on on a specific direction for a game. You know, I think looking at the footage here, it just let me ask there's you something this. about it that just doesn't seem to come well together. Yeah. Um, do you think that a uh, on a global scale? Um, people would have uh, also disliked it because you think that his inability as a developer at the time was stunted, or do you think? I mean, I don't. You, I don't think. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think the average person would be privy to how the director <laughs> feels about his his game, his project personally. Um, I think if Resident Evil One Point Five had come out, I mean, it probably would have sold. A million mm. copies, but I think it would have stunted the the momentum of the series because it probably wouldn't have gotten excellent reviews, and I think uh, it would have been a little underwhelming compared to the first game, and maybe the series wouldn't have the 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 the, the presence that it has today if that had happened. Because you know, later later on in Resident Evil history, we'll find out that when you release you know games like Resident Evil Zero or Resident Evil Six or Operation Raccoon City that does have negative effects on a franchise's uh, reputation. So, you know, this being only the second game, 
I think that would have, you know, put Capcom at a fairly big risk with regards to the property. Um, Cause you have to remember, like you look back at Mega Man, Mega Man two is seen as the, one of the best games in the end. Uh, one of the best entries in the series. And that was Mega Man's first million seller. And obviously street fighter two was far more successful than street fighter one. So, you know, there was this, I mean, I wouldn't call it a pattern, but Capcom did have a reputation for making kick-ass second entries in their franchises. And I don't think, and I think they, they, they did pretty well with that until Devil May Cry 2 came out. Right? Oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> Gosh. And we'll, of, right. we'll, of course, touch on, on Devil May Cry because that is totally intertwined with Resident Evil. But if we could just, if we could just rewind a little bit with, with, with Resident Evil, with Resident Evil 1.5, I've, mm-hmm. I, I played the recent build of um, the, the the recent um, modified build of Resident Evil 1.5, and I very much mm. take your comments on board that it's a very cool novelty, but it is very bland and it's too much like the original. Resident yeah. Evil 2 was so different, and it was it, it's my favorite. In, Resident Evil 2 1998 is by far my favorite in the series, and it always mm. has been. But Resident Evil 2 was so much different. That's why it was good. It it took the concept of, of the Resident Evil story and just made it t- to me like a, a mad Hollywood blockbuster with like four different scenarios. Right. And it was just absolutely crazy. But but Resident Evil 1.5, it just even even the police station, it just lacked character. Yeah, it seemed very much in the vein of the original game. Uh, but yeah, it didn't seem like it would take things much further than where the original had been. Mm. Especially visually, but also like in terms of the gameplay loop. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of the ingenuity with Resident Evil 1 was just not there. So when... In, in I guess, resuscitating the Resident Evil 2 project, they brought on... Uh, Sugimura, uh, Noboru Sugimura, a writer who had written for Japanese TV shows like Sentai, uh, the Japanese version of Power oh, Rangers. I, I and love he, that yeah, it's, it's fantastic. That. And, you know, great, great the, stuff there. And the stories aren't literary genius or anything like that, but they're fun to watch, you know, in terms of the, the entertainment factor. And Sugimura, joined the team and provided a lot of invaluable advice when it came to rebooting the game. And basically, I think his biggest contribution was to, to, to tell the developers, you know, scale the game up, you know, make it even bigger and even madder and even more ingenious than the first game. And you can tell with the visuals that the team really took that to heart and they really pushed the PlayStation hardware. Um, I. One other thing I want to mention about Resident Evil 1.5 is that if it had come out the way it was, I mean, if you look at that compared to Parasite Eve or Silent Hill, which came out just a year later, I think I agree with Capcom that it would have paled in comparison. So I think there is a bit of a competitive edge and mm-hmm. a, 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 a motivation to stay competitive. And I'm really glad that they... They took Sugimura's advice to heart. Uh, they they expanded the story. We had the zapping system. So there was a lot more depth to the uh, multi-character system. The story was more thematic. I mean, it's nothing profound, uh, but you, you can you can tell like the, the relationships between characters in Resident Evil 2 are much deeper than... Yeah, well, I mean, than, they added... Uh, they took yeah. out Elza in... 
favor for Claire, which now, you know, it directly ties the second one to the first game, whereas 1.5, not mm. so much. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that was a very, very wise choice in terms of franchise building. Yeah. I would oh, no. say so. Agreed. And as as Resident Evil 2 as a game, I felt like it, it, it did take itself a little bit. I mean, looking back at it, it's still relatively B-movie, but it did take itself a little bit more seriously than, like in, t- in terms of like the, 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 the delivery of, of, of voice acting, um, the, the, the directing of characters. Mm. I, I did feel like it was a little bit more serious. Uh, but again, looking back, oh, it, still pales, yeah. it still pales to say the new Resident Evil 2 remake. But again, technology's evolved. <laughs> um, game designers have, has evolved. Uh, but I do be, I do think this, this is uh, the, the complete Resident Evil 2, of course. Mm. Yeah, and I think uh, the voice acting is a lot better than it was in the original game because they actually recorded them in an English-speaking country. Uh, they They... They did the recordings in Canada, which was also a very new thing for Capcom as a company. Like with the original game, they just found any English-speaking person they can find <laughs> living in Tokyo, uh, which which didn't bode well for the talent pool. But they, I think that was the <laughs> first project where they they worked with Allison Court, uh, sure. the the voice actress of Claire, and you know it was. They still had a budget, and I think Kamiya had to do a lot of the direction, even though he, I mean, he understands English very well, but he's not very confident at speaking it, like in 2020, right? So I can't imagine where where his skill level was at <laughs> back right. in 1998. Uh, but they, they did, they made the best out of what they could, and I think Resident Evil Two has, um, for for the time, pretty good voice acting. You know, nothing, nothing, or very little about the game. Uh, really sticks out as particularly problematic, uh, unlike the first game, <laughs> where every <laughs> line was problematic, right? Because right. well, they, they were made to be overdramatic and stuff in the first game, right? That was the direction they took? Kind of. It was more that Mikami wanted Japanese people to understand what the people were saying, even though there was no Japanese dub in the final game. Uh, I see. So literally, any in, in Japan, people study English uh Back then, it was starting in middle school or, or in junior high. Now, it's, I think, from fourth or fifth grade in elementary school. But the the average Japanese person, they can read very basic English. But, you know, not not everyone is conversant to, you know, to, to a deep level. So when you have lines like, I have this, that's a... Literally a- anybody in Japan will know what that means, right? Yeah. Um, it's become iconic here. <laughs> look, 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 it's a monster. That That's that's very basic English for people here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it with Resident Evil 2, they obviously, they pulled away from that and they made it much deeper. So... Yeah, when Resident Evil 2 came out, it, it was like Street Fighter 2 in, in the sense that it just felt so much bigger and more significant than the previous game. And I think the unprecedented level of success that game experienced when it came out was well-earned, I think. Um, when Resident Evil 2 came out in Japan, it sold somewhere, I think, 1,200,000 copies, which was unheard of at the time uh for anything that wasn't a final fantasy or a dragon quest so i think 
the only other game from that era that could pull those kinds of numbers were Pokemon games. So oh, yeah. I think, yeah, Capcom really, really like by the like with Resident Evil One, you know, the signs were there that they had a phenomenon, a global phenomenon on their hands. But with, but with Resident Evil Two, like there was just no question how how and significant like, the game success was. In Resident Evil Two, they actually bought an actual voice talent, uh, uh, right? Isn't that that's correct, right? Yeah, uh, that's when they started working with Allison Court. Like they went to Canada to actually do the recordings. Oh, that's right. You said that's that. crazy. So, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, speaking, we've spoken about Resident Evil Two. I think this is a very, very interesting time in the Resident Evil uh, universe because then we we went in this almost we went in kind of two directions. We we went to Resident Evil Three, but at the same time we. Well, it's actually more than two directions because you had Resident Evil Three. At the same time, we was moving. We we, we was uh, Capcom were were, were focusing on um, Dino Crisis. You also had Resident Evil Survivor and Resident Evil Co. Veronica in the space of what eighteen months. I do believe they're working on the pre-build of Zero at that time too, oh, right? Yeah. Excuse that, me. As well. Yeah. So <laughs> these guys putting all their eggs in one basket after yes. that two <laughs> release. <laughs> so, so Alex, where, where, where should we where should we start from here? If we was working in timeline in chronological order, right? So Capcom tends to um, you can describe it in multiple ways. Getting carried away might be one, um, <laughs> but this is. Uh, this is going to require the mother of all explanations, but the intention was for Resident Evil to always be a multi-platform franchise. Uh, Capcom as a company is by nature platform agnostic, so they want to support Nintendo, Sega, and Sony, and today Microsoft uh, to varying levels. Things are a lot more equal these days, but back back then there were no like multi-platform video game engines or cross-compatible development tools. So everything had to be made from scratch. So even though some games like Street Fighter II, for example, were on both Super Nintendo and Genesis and the arcade and the PC for that matter, a lot of those games had to be reprogrammed from, from the ground up. And so that's why multi-platform simultaneous Resident Evil games were very uncommon for the first 10 or so years of, of the series' history. So uh, Resident Evil 1 was developed on Saturn, uh, on PlayStation, rather. They finished that. Then they outsourced the Saturn version to another company because they also wanted to establish the franchise on Sega's platform. With Resident Evil 2, that was actually planned to be Saturn and PlayStation from the very beginning, before release, even in the 1.5 days. Uh, but the Saturn version would have to come out after because that was being developed separately. Uh, with the Saturn version um, of Resident Evil 2, they were unable to get the game running technologically because, again, the, the Saturn wasn't really a 3D-focused hardware and it was very difficult to develop for. So if you look at the visuals of Resident Evil 2, apparently it would have been very difficult to get that that look running on the Saturn. So yeah. yeah, but Capcom had a very good relationship with Sega and they wanted to continue that. So they unfortunately had to cancel Resident Evil 2 on Saturn, but at the same time, the Dreamcast was coming up. The Dreamcast was released in November 1998, which was almost a year before the West. Mm -hmm. So... Capcom wanted to have a new Resident Evil game for next-gen hardware, specifically for Dreamcast. So in 1998, that is how Resident Evil Code Veronica was greenlit. So 
they they didn't give Code Veronica a number because the producer, the top producer at Capcom at the time, Yoshiki Okamoto, wanted PlayStation franchise to ha- PlayStation systems to have the numbered entries. History shows America rises to every challenge it faces. Every challenge makes us stronger. We're Americans. We find a way. At Kaufman Funeral Home, we give thanks to God for living in the greatest nation on earth. Take comfort in knowing when you need us, we'll be here for you. We'll put your family's needs first. Kaufman Funeral Home and Crematory. Frontier Drive in Stanton. Online at KaufmanFuneralHome.net. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org holiday. That's childrensnational.org holiday. But the intention, yeah, exactly. But the intention was for Resident Evil Code Veronica to be the direct successor in terms of story to Resident Evil 1. Uh, so at the time it was greenlit, Code Veronica was actually supposed to have Jill and Chris. Really? And thematically, exactly. Yeah. Thematically, it was going to be a lot closer to the first game than it was going to be to the second game. That eventually changed, you know, the game ended up having Claire instead of instead of Jill. But that was the the very original concept. Uh, and then the other big game that they greenlit in 1998 was Resident Evil Zero because they wanted the Nintendo the N64 to have its own Resident Evil game as well. <laughs> and you know, with numbered Resident Evils being a PlayStation thing, they settled on Zero for the Nintendo fan base. Uh, The reason they went with the uh, Zero idea was because being a prequel, if you were a Nintendo fan who had never played Resident Evil 1 or 2, you wouldn't really be lost Uh, in terms of uh, where you were in the timeline. Uh, Sega fans had already gotten the first game on Saturn, so Capcom felt comfortable enough to uh, continue the timeline on Sega hardware. Plus, they were going to bring Resident Evil 2 on Dreamcast as well. So eventually, they would have stayed so af- I, uh, abreast of you know where, where the timeline was. But Nintendo fans would have gone back to the very beginning. So they could they could get into the series without having to be encumbered by you know, the, the other entries. Yeah, the, the one and two lore, exactly. I never even uh, thought about yeah. that. I've never even thought about that. That's interesting that you say that. And it's funny. It's, it's That's actually really more interesting, the fact that you got RE1 remake eventually on the GameCube with Zero. Mm, so it's exactly. like you got the two actual precursors of the ga- of the whole franchise right there. So that was their introduction anyway, was the uh, very beginning. That's crazy. I'd never thought about it that way. That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, the remake, yeah, the remake was a later development, but... In spring 1998, you know, Capcom saw unprecedented success with Resident Evil 2, and they had to bring it everywhere. And so a prequel for Nintendo owners and a non-numbered sequel for Sega owners were, the, 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 were yeah, two of those ideas. And then the third idea, and I guess the main, the main thing was um, what was originally Resident Evil 3 on the PlayStation 2, 
which uh, I mean, there there've been various ideas about it over the years, uh, like the the one with Honk on the boat, yeah, for example, yeah, which I right. still would have loved then, to see. <laughs> right, right, and see. then there was the game that eventually became Devil May Cry. That was another version of yeah. Resident Evil three slash four like i haven't i haven't even gotten to resident evil three nemesis yet that was <laughs> yeah. actually greenlit. there's so much going yeah on. nemesis nemesis was greenlit a little bit after code veronica and zero uh and and what it eventually became devil may cry slash resident evil four uh and the reason why nemesis exists <clears> was because <throat> they capcom realized that developing a new resident evil game on playstation 2 was going to take a lot of time and they needed a fill-in and a fill-in title to kind of, you know, bring the money in while we waited for PlayStation Two to come out. So Dino Crisis was the other one, actually. So they they made Dino Crisis and then they made Resident Evil Three Nemesis. And Resident Evil Three Nemesis originally was known as Resident Evil One Point Nine during development, and it was gonna be. Um, a, it was it was gonna originally star Nikolai, Mikhail, and Carlos as the playable characters. It wasn't really gonna be a story, and the the, the whole idea was for uh, players to just you know shoot zombies and escape Raccoon City. It wasn't really gonna be a terribly important game, but because the PlayStation Two Resident Evil was taking uh, much longer than expected, uh, they they wanted something to fill fill in those shoes in the interim. So they ended up uh, changing the name from Resident Evil 1.9 to Resident Evil Nemesis. And then they ended up, uh, for various reasons, they added Jill into the storyline and they expanded that outward. And they ended up adding the number three to it um, relatively late in development. So that's why you look at Resident Evil 1, you look at Resident Evil 2, you look at Code Veronica, you look at Zero, and they're all like dual protagonists. Uh, Resident Evil 3 has all these gameplay quirks that just don't appear in other Resident Evil games at the time, such as the, the dodge and the uh, live events and the randomized puzzle solutions. And that's because fundamentally Resident Evil 3 Nemesis was supposed to be a short game and they wanted to pump up the replay value by adding all these randomized elements to it. You don't see that, like, for example, in Code Veronica, because Code Veronica was not designed to be like that. Resident Evil 3 Nemesis was deliberately designed to be a game that has its own direction that doesn't influence what the mainline Resident Evil games were supposed to be. So, it, I mean, if you, if you draw a, a comparison to today, like, you wouldn't... You wouldn't imagine Resident Evil Revelations to have gameplay that's seen in Resident Evil Five or Resident Evil Six, right? Uh, yeah, right, yeah. So, if imagine if Resident Evil Revelations had been called Resident Evil Five, but they didn't actually change much of the game, right? That, yeah. That's pretty much how Nemesis kind of ended up being what it is, and that's why it's so different. So, that's why there's a lot of confusion as to whether that's the real Resident Evil 3 or if Code Veronica was a more significant game. We, yeah, my, we, always, hear that. we always hear that. In my head canon, mm. it's always Code Veronica. <laughs> Just because like of what, how much uh, more, in my in, in my eyes, how much more effort it seems to have been effortlessly pus, put into the game. Yeah, it's a longer right. game, more complete game. I'm also a oh, lore yeah. junkie. 
I'm also a lore junkie, and I love the story building around Resident Evil. And so, and Chris Redfield is my favorite character. So as a 14 year old kid, it like it just it it spoke to me. And then like it, you got the resolution of Claire looking for her brother, and then at, you know mm-hmm. at the, obviously at the very end is Chris's ending line. Um, you know, you absolutely, think, yeah, yeah. So you thinking, oh, what's going to happen next? And then um, I believe. What was the? I'm I'm actually drawing a blank. What was the direct sequel after Code Veronica? It would have been Resident Evil Four. Uh, right? Or, or you Dark Side Chronicles. Well, I mean, um, in as terms of the lore, or? no. In terms of uh, what was that right after Code Veronica? Uh, zero, zero, which was the uh, last, last um, was was actually the departure of uh, fixed cameras and stuff like that. So. What right, we're going to pick up on is um, there is a complete anomaly that was um, released on the uh, released on the PlayStation. Oh, this game. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's going on here, Alex? Uh, Fill us in. So, yeah, the, the yeah. other thing that Capcom wanted to do in 1998 after Resident Evil 2 was very successful was to test Resident Evil out in other genres. Um. House of the Dead had become pretty popular at the time, and I think the the success of those PC first person shooters had 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 uh, caught Capcom's attention. So they wanted to see how compatible Resident Evil was with with first person, and as we all know, that was the original concept in the first game. So I mean, even though Resident Evil Survivor isn't an, an amazing game by any degree, it is interesting to see that by the end of the PlayStation's life cycle, Capcom did manage to make that first person game that they originally set out to make. This game was not developed inside Capcom. It was the first spin-off that was outsourced to a completely separate company called uh, Tose. So yeah, Tose it's created not that this bad. game and yeah, it's not horrible. Like I've played worse games for sure. But it, I, I, I feel like I feel like uh, it's, someone uh, was telling me one time when I was playing this. It's like a, it's if they had to choose between this or Doom, OG Doom. They choose this. It's like a better oh, version. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I would have to agree with them. I, I I I actually do enjoy this. I find enjoyment out of this game. <laughs> I do I like it. Yeah, I, like, I do feel like it's a bit of a tech demo. For what for what the because this this in my eyes and not not a lot and I'm I believe I'm correct in saying so I don't, I don't want to I don't want to uh, uh, spout uh, fake 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 facts or anything like that but this is the first 3D rendered Resident Evil in fully 3D not pre rendered backgrounds it, it's got full 3D environments so because I believe Dino Crisis was the first fixed camera angle one but this was right this was the first this was the first 3D rendered Resident Evil um, so it, it I feels mean it- like depends on the timeline we're looking at because this game came out in japan only one week before code veronica so yes technically it was the first fully polygonal 3d (laughs) ever released that said the demo of code veronica came out before this so you can argue that Code veronica as a product (laughs) so it's you know what your standard is it's weird that, the, that it seems like this game and Code Veronica are seamlessly intertwined. Or is it? Yeah, I, I think. They, Go ahead. 
they both have the same writer. I think Sugimura wrote for both games. So I think there was an intentional sense of minimal, but notable, not, not notable, but minimal continuity between the two games. Kovaranka was the better of the two. But I, I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you got it right the, better the second time. <laughs> so we've, okay, so yeah. we've, we've kind of capped off the, the PlayStation saga of Resident Evil games. Let's move on to, uh, I mean, we did have Resident Evil Gaiden in there. I'm, I'm not sure if you, I'm not sure if you've got any, uh, any uh, kind of factoids behind that that you'd like to share. I mean, mm. it's kind of. Yeah, the yeah. development, the development of Gaiden is very well documented on, um, I think the site was called Now Gamer. I don't know if the article is still up today. Um, and I do talk about it in the book, but it's not really my focus. Uh I mean, Resident Evil Gaiden, before that, there was the conversion of Resident Evil 1 on the Game Boy Color that Capcom wanted to release, which was another game that they greenlit <laughs> uh, in 1998. Uh, and as we might all remember, they they released Resident Evil 2 on the game.com. Uh, so, you know, Capcom, even relatively early on, had these ambitions to bring Resident Evil to portable systems to, you know relatively low levels of success or absolutely low <laughs> levels of success. You know, these, this game never came out. So Gaiden was like the compromise title where they decided to use the IP, but they changed the gameplay around a lot to, to suit the platform. Uh, I mean, Gaiden, I would say it, it's treated more unfairly than Resident Evil Survivor is, right? I think Resident Evil Survivor pales in comparison to a lot of first-person shooters like GoldenEye or Doom or, mm. you know, Half-Life or whatever. Uh, but I think Resident Evil Gaiden is interesting as a Game Boy Color game. Uh, I just think it, it was treated very poorly upon release because it just kind of came out when Resident Evil Remake came out, right? Uh, and I think people had already moved on to the Game Boy Advance, whereas this was a Game Boy Color game. So it started to feel old in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I think Gaiden is, it's a fascinating title to look at. I don't think it's amazing or anything. I don't think it, mm. it holds a candle to Capcom's NES games, for example. But I think it's, I think it showed Capcom what worked and what didn't work with regards to expanding the Resident Evil franchise outward. Uh, I think no, no one on the team except Hiroki Kato, who also directed Code Veronica and wrote Wesker's report. Uh, participated in the development of this title. I think he wrote the story, but that's pretty much it. Okay. No, uh, thank you for that. That's the, uh, I kind of wanted to throw it in there, but it's not really, to me, it's a, it's kind of an, a, another offshoot of Resident Evil, but it's, it's good. We got a little bit of, a um, little bit of gen on that. So let's move on to, and I think this is going to be the next one. This is going to be Resident Evil Zero. I would like to, I would like to um, tie both the N64 port and the GameCube port into one into one um uh, uh, one point if if i may so if we could sure. start with the n64 uh, i mean what, what's going on here alex it's going to be a common frame yeah frame, <laughs> sure um as as i mentioned earlier this was greenlit in 1998 right after resident evil 2 came out so this was going to be the big resident evil game for nintendo fans and by making it a prequel as a nintendo fan you wouldn't have to buy a playstation in order to know what was going on uh, it looks very similar to Resident Evil 2 uh, visually and conceptually. Obviously, this is this is very famous history, but the 
Nintendo 64 ran on cartridges. So there were going to be inherent space limitations with regards to how much content they can put in the game. Voice acting is a relative rarity in Nintendo 64 games. CG video uh, for the longest time was practically unheard of on N64. Uh, And so these are the biggest challenges for, for bringing Resident Evil to the platform. Uh, they initially greenlit Resident Evil Zero for the 64 DD. If you remember that that the accessory that would use, yeah, like special specialized versions of. I don't know if they're floppy disks, but they're not CDs. They're like they're they're still uh, like they're the like cartridge like format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, exactly. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. I I can't remember what their capacities were, but it was maybe like 64 mega. I think I think they I think they maxed out at sixty four. Mega bytes or megabits? I think it's a megabit. Yeah, I mean the N sixty four was it was the last cartridge, which was Mm. super limiting. It was the last cartridge, and we know this from the absolute technological masterpiece that was the the N sixty four port of Resident Evil two. So they was already kind of working on an uphill on an uphill slope here. Exactly. So Resident Evil 2 was actually greenlit for N64 in late 1997, and that was going to serve as the litmus test for the feasibility of of the franchise on the platform. And apparently Angel Studios, which is now Rockstar, uh, one of Rockstar's development studios, I think they were based in San Diego, uh, but... Apparently, they found a lot of success early on in the porting process, but it was just taking a lot of time because there was so much data compression involved. But they found out early enough that you could run a Resident Evil game on N64, and that's how Zero got greenlit, and that's how they they commenced development. But as we all know, the that generation of games was about to come to a close the 64 dd did come out but it was a flop and it would never come out in the west so capcom eventually put it on the the standard nintendo 64 cartridge again thanks to resident evil 2 making that possible but for a new game it was still very difficult in the end for capcom to 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 finish off the game on n64 and so in in i think was it i think it was Late two thousand, late nineteen ninety nine or early two thousand, they they made the decision to move development of Resident Evil Zero over from N sixty four to the successor console called the Dolphin, which was eventually named into the GameCube. Uh, that system would use discs, so the the problem of not having enough storage capacity went away. Uh, the flip side to that was part of the reason why Resident Evil Zero has two characters that you control simultaneously is because the game uses cartridges and N64 cartridges were free of loading times. So that was Mm. Capcom's attempt to use the N64 hardware in a way where the PlayStation or even the Dreamcast wouldn't be able to mimic the same experience. So porting the the game to GameCube meant that they'd have to figure out a new solution for the, 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 the simultaneous dual protagonist dynamic. But luckily the GameCube hardware was actually quite capable in terms of managing load times. So they were able to uh, implement that very effectively. So 
Zero was the title that they tried to make a nod to Sweet Home, right? With the whole uh, leaving the stuff on the floor, coming back to the way later. Um, much right. much like that mechanic. And uh, this one was direct, directed or made, if I'm wrong, if I'm correct, simultaneously next to RE1 remake, right? I mean, it started development before, uh, but yeah, I think Resident Evil 1 remake was greenlit in late 2000. I think mm. in November. What was the and, what was the logic behind both of these? By the way, of bringing of, I mean, this was only mm. f- five or six years later. Why did they need to do it all? That that, that, that just seems crazy to me. That, right? Can, six years is a pretty short gap mm. for for a game to be remade to that extent. Um, like we just got Resident Evil Five and Six on Switch, and they were older then than Resident Evil 1 was when it was remade. So it's really yeah. <laughs> fascinating to think about these these timelines. Uh, but it's complicated. So Resident Evil 0 was uh, was greenlit for GameCube and that, that originally was the only Resident Evil game they were going to bring to the system. At the same time, Devil May Cry became its own thing and Resident Evil 4 was once again in development for PlayStation 2. But my understanding is that Mikami was unhappy with how develop how difficult it was de- it was to develop for PlayStation 2's hardware. He felt that the the difficulty in in programming for it did not commensurate with the the output of the game, and he thought that Nintendo was a more favorable partner in this regard. The GameCube was more powerful than the PlayStation 2, and it was a lot easier to develop to develop for. And the Xbox hadn't really made a name for itself at this time, so he felt. With the with Sega out of the picture, with Microsoft not really a full player yet, and with PlayStation so hard to develop for, he he wanted to see where he could take the Resident Evil franchise on uh, Nintendo hardware. So the thing to pay attention to is that Resident Evil Zero and Resident Evil One remake were developed by different teams. One uh, so, had, had held by Koji Oda, right? Yeah, Ko- well, yeah, Oda San Oda Koji Oda was the the director, but. Tatsuya Minami, who whom we all found out was the producer on RE3 Remake mm-hmm. and the ex-president of Platinum Games, actually. Uh, he he was the producer of, at the time, Production Studio 3, and mm-hmm. Mikami was the head of Production Studio 4. So the two games were in development simultaneously, but by different development teams. The only things that they shared were the technology. Um, and which is imminent because because the story doesn't, yeah. <laughs> doesn't intertwine too too well. Yeah, like on side note on that, the reason why Zero and One Remake don't seem to tie very closely together was because uh, even though Resident Evil Zero was rebooted on GameCube, the the concept didn't change from the N64 days. Mm. And the N64 concept was made before Remake One was a thing. And they didn't make those adjustments. Uh, I see. Uh, at, 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 at deep levels, which is why... I mean, it, it harkens back to the fact that they wanted N64 owners to not feel compelled to have to play Resident Evil 1 on other oh, hardware. Okay. So that's why Zero still has this sense of being a standalone title. When they moved it to GameCube, they didn't adjust for that. And I do think that did hurt the, the game to some extent. But in terms of the, <clears throat> the development itself, um, with Mikami dissatisfied with the PlayStation 2, he decided to move Resident Evil 4 over to the GameCube as well. Um, but the thing is, in as of late 2000, 
Mikami's team was not familiar with the GameCube hardware. So they decided to, I guess, to dip their toes in the pond and make a remake of Resident Evil 1 on the GameCube hardware so they could, one, familiarize themselves in preparation for Resident Evil 4 and lay the groundwork for the technology for Resident Evil 0. So the fascinating thing was uh, Resident Evil 1 was actually the last Resident Evil game to be greenlit on GameCube, according to Mikami. Really? So, so they moved Zero over. They decided they decided to put Resident Evil 4 on GameCube. And then after that, they also decided to port 2, 3, and Code Veronica over yeah. to GameCube. So there was a point where the five Resident Evil games on GameCube were going to be 0, 2, 3, Code Veronica, and 4. So that left Resident Evil 1 as kind of the... This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. That's childrensnational.org slash holiday. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, experienced staff at local branches, and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Last game to be greenlit for the system. So like it... it I guess the puzzle pieces just kind of fell into place <laughs> and Resident Evil 1 was kind of the guinea pig for for the, the or it laid the groundwork for what the series would become on GameCube. So Resident Evil 1 Remake, you know, you, even though we loved the game very much, that was very much a glorified tech experiment for Capcom. Really? I mean, and it turns out to be, the used, best, I would argue, one of the that's, best. That's <laughs> crazy that you say yeah, that. Yeah. That is my I mean, absolute favorite uh, Resident Evil game ever that's the one that made me fall in love yeah. with the series i this is the one like this game made me like i have i had played the original back when i was like six or seven my older brother had it or whatever it may be but i didn't get my actual own experience until i got a gamecube when i was like nine and then this is the game that mm. sold me on the entire franchise i had played two before um i liked it but as a small-minded child i was like oh okay polygons and but mm. looking at this it was beautiful and i was actually terribly frightened by the atmosphere that this game provided it was it was insane oh to me. absolutely and 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 it's fascinating but because resident evil one was a was basically a, a test run for uh resident evil 4 and resident evil 0 you'll notice that even though the game is absolutely beautiful the production values are certainly much lower than resident evil 0 you can see that in the, uh, the the quality of the CG, for example. Like with Resident Evil Zero, the budget was so much higher than Resident Evil Remake that the CG in Zero is just so much better. The music, in my opinion, is mixed and produced a lot better than the remake. Uh, and I think they went with uh, better voice actors for Zero as well. So Zero was the big game that Capcom had expectations for on the GameCube. Remake That's 1 was just so like crazy yeah. that is it's funny because totally i didn't make sense because 
There is right. so much more CG in yeah. Resident Evil Zero than there is in Resident Evil Remake. I didn't even realize it till you said it. <laughs> like there was yeah, and the the backgrounds as well. You'll notice how even though they're only a few months apart on the same hardware, Resident Evil Zero looks so much better than Resident Evil Remake, right? And the reason for that is because even though Resident Evil Zero was technically outsourced to an extent to Tosei, like Capcom hired a lot of graphic artists for the game and they spent a lot of time making very high resolution uh backgrounds i think it was and so the, the, was the first zero one like moving partly moving backgrounds and mm. i mean it's all cg but it definitely required a very a very large production team so resident evil zero had the the, the biggest development team at the time of release if you watch the credits, you'll notice how much longer it is compared to Resident Evil Remake, right? <laughs> With all the names that, that just kind of pop up. So Resident Evil Zero had a humongous budget at the time. Uh, and unfortunately, it didn't sell as well as it needed to for Capcom to consider it a success. I love that Probably game, because too. the GameCube. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I like Resident Evil Zero a lot. I can see why people don't like it for, for one reason or another. Uh, and I do think... I don't. I don't think it's entirely fair to say that Resident Evil Zero was the death of fixed camera Resident Evil, but I don't um, think it's fair to say it, that either. I agree with you. I would say. I would say it was the GameCube that that was really the bigger problem, and you can tell when when the HD remasters came out that Zero and Remake sold very well. Yeah. So I do think there's there's definitely still an audience for the old classic Resident Evil games, uh, but you know Capcom doesn't want to try, but. The reason yeah. why is because Resident Evil Zero didn't sell well enough to 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 warrant all the resources that were poured into it. And it's um, because like think... Resident Evil Zero is a complete original Resident Evil fixed camera angle tank controls experience. I love. I think it's great. Right. If you're an OG, right. fan, if you're an OG fan, that you you will love Resident Evil Zero. I mean, to to be fair, remake is probably a lot better mm. in a lot probably of ways. Not. Oh well, yeah, it's my um, favorite, and I, and I can see. <laughs> You know, if you if if Resident Evil Remake didn't exist, maybe Zero would have gotten a better reception. But I think I think uh, unintentionally the remake <laughs> turned out to be one of Capcom's best games ever. So that leads us basically to why the the series changed so dramatically after that. So okay, that's, that's, this is this is on. I thought I knew about Resident Evil. But <laughs> it's like, uh, and and yeah. we will we will this is all uh, and a lot a majority of this contents is going to be in your book itchy itchy tasty the unofficial guide to resident yeah. evil which we will continually plug through throughout this uh, <laughs> podcast and we'll have a link in the description when we, when we post it no it's okay this is this is golden um so what i'm going to do is we we're, we're going to move into kind of two different directions here we're, we're going to talk about resident evil 4 and then after that we'll talk about the um the play i like to call them like the playstation spin-offs where it was just like mm. bang 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 resident, loads of different original concepts of resident evil but yeah. resident evil 4 was quite had quite a complex development cycle mm. so let's let's right. go from the very start of that what 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 occurred so resident evil 4 was originally resident evil 3 in terms of its 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 position within the the series timeline, oh, okay. and that was greenlit in 1998, right after Resident Evil 2 came out, and Kamiya was the original director. Kamiya felt that he couldn't do more on the PlayStation, like he had maxed out the 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 capabilities of the system, so he wanted to move on to the next gen 
consoles for PlayStation 2. Um, but, he, you know, Kamiya actually really hates horror games. He's not very good at stomaching the, the whole grotesque kind of vibe. And you can tell with Resident Evil 2 that it definitely did start to pull away from that horror focus uh, more toward action. And, you know, he's known for Bayonetta and Beautiful Joe and Which, oh. The Wonderful 101. So he's not really a horror game creator uh, at heart. He just directed Resident Evil 2 because Mikami asked him to. Um, but that game took forever and it got rebooted into Devil May Cry. Devil May Cry comes out uh, on PlayStation 2, becomes very successful, and, and Kamiya's career kind of goes off in another direction. I think he did Beautiful Joe and Okami after that. But going back to Resident Evil 4, it finally got moved over to GameCube. Uh, and by the way, it became 4 because Resident Evil Nemesis became Resident Evil 3. So that's the, the whole... Yeah, and then like that's when all that interchangeable yeah. stuff of titles of Co-Veronica becoming 3, and then it didn't, and then... Right, yeah. right, right. I mean, Co-Veronica was never 3. But, well, I mean, yeah, but uh, it chronologically, yeah. But that's, right, a, that's, right, that's exactly. an interesting... Just to pick up on that minor point there, I've always heard that there's always been the discussion of, is Resident Evil 3 the actual Resident Evil 3 or is it Co-Veronica? But I've never heard the theory... The Resident Evil Four oh, was, yeah. was meant to be Resident Evil Three. That's a that's an eye opener for me. It was meant to be the third Resident Evil game, third entry in the Resident Evil main timeline. See that confuses Evil, me as to like what the story was for Four originally. It was the 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 concept with Hunk on the boat mm. looking for something. See, where, where yeah. is this? Uh, it, I, I'm, I feel like I've, I've got a bit of a, a brain fart here. I'm not familiar with this concept of hunking this boat. Can somebody please just elaborate? I mean, it wasn't. Me? It's not like it made it very far in development, but that was one of the original plans. Uh, I don't even know if that was Kamiya's specific idea. I know he's kind of pushed back, pushed back against that. But I think the super original idea of Resident Evil Three was gothic in a castle with superpowers also known as Devil May Devil Cry. May cry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then when they realized that that needed to become its own thing, they, they they spun that off. At the same time, the number changed from Resident Evil 3 to Resident Evil 4 because they realized it would have taken a million years for Resident Evil 4 to come out. So they decided to take Resident Evil Nemesis and make that into Resident Evil 3, which slid Kamiya's Resident Evil 3 over one. That became Devil May Cry, and it stopped being Resident Evil 4. And then Resident Evil 4 was taken over by Mikami, uh, who had the uh, who had another person direct the game. I think his name was Hiroshi Shibata. And that's kind of where the very first trailer of Resident Evil 4 proper on the GameCube comes out in November 2002 with, with yeah, the castle and the, the flying airship-like thing and the staircase and that uh, swarm of uh, progenitor virus. Uh, so the this concept was in development for about a few i think about a year or so and then they kind of shifted the the vision over to the second trailer that we got uh, with leon hallucinating and the, the hook man chasing him but you can see how high fidelity the graphics are in, it looked in amazing trailers of resident evil 4 and this wasn't a pre-rendered game if you if you look at other 3D games at the time like Silent Hill 2 or Silent Hill 3, Fatal Frame, you, none of them had visuals of this fidelity. And, Gorgeous. 
Exactly. But the reason, but the problem was the GameCube hardware couldn't really handle this. So what was this running on? In was the this end? running on that yeah. computer? Yeah. What was this running on? Um, it was the, the engine. Uh, I guess it was the same engine as the final version of Resident Evil 4, but mm. repurposed for smaller environments with a lot of detail, pure detail in the, the textures. But the problem was, according to the planner of this game, uh, for the, in order for the hallucination scenes to take place, they needed a lot of memory that can load two different versions of the environment at the same time. And unfortunately, oh, for all the power that the GameCube had, memory was actually not one of them. Like it actually <laughs> has lower lower memory capacity than uh, hardware memory capacity than the other two systems. Of course, it, it makes up for it in other regards, but the, the, the in, in terms of being able to shift between the two different styles seamlessly the gamecube hardware couldn't handle it so they they had to abandon this concept entirely um and the reason why the the whole hallucination thing was such a big part of the was it was such a big part of the gameplay dynamic was because the story was written to account for that mm. and you know resident evil 4 itself had already at this point been greenlit four years back and still hadn't come out Right. And so when this concept was failing at the technical level, Mikami had to step in once again and say, hey, you know, this this isn't working. Resident Evil 4 is never going to come out at this state at this point at this stage. So Mikami decided to direct the game and change the direction drastically. So the first thing that he decided to do when he became the director of Resident Evil 4 was to ignore the story, because from his point of view, because Resident Evil 4 had initially paid too much attention to the story affecting the gameplay, Mikami decided, you know, story's not going to matter. We're going to take the timeline forward and we're going to basically ignore everything that had happened up until this point. We're going to change the gameplay entirely. And so we ended up with what we know today as Resident Evil 4. So that makes know, people, entire sense. <laughs> people people complain about the story and how 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 it's very different and very nonsensical <laughs> compared to other Resident Evil games and how the writing might be questionable. But Mikami, Mikami's number one goal was to make a story that just didn't matter. Right. It was <laughs> a means to an end. <laughs> that, that's a very and he was gonna, Right. He's going to focus all on the gameplay and how to make that very unique and very different and to make it more modern as well. Because, you know, by this point, Western games had begun to start eclipsing Japanese games and, in terms of popularity, so and it, it's very apparent you know, the too, GTA, right? Mm -hmm. It's super apparent, especially with the with um, how little the story has anything to do with, and that it's very apparent at the beginning where they say, "Oh, uh, Umbrella is basically done." Okay, next, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's let's, let's <laughs> right, crack right. <laughs> and then it's like, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's, forget viruses. Here's here's a parasite. Oh, here's Leon. Last time we saw him was in Resident Evil Two, where he was a rookie cop, mm. and now he's an action star. Right, exactly. And, you know, this dramatic change was necessary because the, 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 the previous version of Resident Evil 4 was not, was not feasible on the using the technology at the time. And Resident Evil 0 had undersold as well. So Capcom, Mikami realized that things had to change or the series was going to die out, mm. right? And I think... 
you know, not, not to blame Resident Evil Zero again, but, you know, other survival horror games at the time, like Fatal Frame and Silent Hill, didn't really sell huge numbers. So I think they realized where they needed to go. Devil May Cry and Onimusha were far more successful games for the company. So that was the beginning of making Resident Evil combat a more action-oriented, combat-based franchise as well. And Mikami, quite frankly, he hit it out of the park. Like, I don't think <laughs> I've never played anything quite quite as significant and impressive as Resident Evil 4. And so do you think... So, so, sorry to talk over you, Matt, but do you think that... Um, do you th- do you think that that was a good thing for them to do? Obviously, picking up on the fact that Fatal Frame wasn't doing well, Sun Hill wasn't doing well, and the GameCube. Because at this point, Resident Evil uh, Four was only a GameCube exclusive. At this point, do you think? Mm. Do you think, uh, on reflection, that it was a good idea for them to move to more of more of an action-oriented experience to kind of, even though we've returned back to it now, to kind of prolong mm. the, the the series. Yes, I do believe that a move like this was going to become necessary. Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't have imagined it to turn out specifically the way it did. But that just goes back to giving Mikami credit for, you know, doing what was right and not what people were expecting him to do. Uh, I do I do think that seeing what happened with other survival horror franchises after that era of games. I do think this was inevitable to some extent. Yeah. It's more like Resident Evil just evolved with the times. It really is what happened. And the thing is, imagine if we didn't get that build of Resident Evil, we did get the Hookman build, which is Um, interesting to think about because the current Resident Evil that we have now, it was very much a precursor to all those action games that we saw on the PS3. Over-the-shoulder, um, action-oriented with melee combat after you've stunned an enemy. Like, I mean, it, it really was. It pioneered that whole third-person shooter uh, a genre, If, in my opinion. Not many right. games were like that back then. Yeah, pioneering a genre does not come very easily, right? <laughs> and me, me, Mikami did not expect that to happen. We well, did it fact, twice. You know, every time... Every time I tell Mikami how how great Resident Evil 4 is, his his, his response is always, oh, Kami is better. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so even, I mean, he under he understands his success, but he doesn't necessarily revel in it. Like, like, like even people like me do, right? I'm, <laughs> That's Resident Evil 4 is definitely my favorite. That's such a hard comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so Resident Evil 4 is one of your favorites then? It, it, I would say it's my favorite okay, by far. Uh, just, just holistically, it just does so much right. And it's for a game that's already 15 years old at this point, it's really hard to find fault with it. Uh, yeah. The biggest criticisms I see are story or, you know, the controls are a little old. You know, yeah, fair enough. But when in, in 2005, we weren't sure how 3D gaming was going to evolve. And this was by far the first sign of where things are going to go. Yeah, it, oh, no, you're great. You're great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I find so, I find a lot of comparisons into uh I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off there, Andy, but I, I I compare Resident Evil 4 a lot to Resident Evil Dead Aim. I just see a lot of comparisons mm. in those two games. Uh a, a lot. I didn't I don't know how close they were when they released though. Yeah, it's always interesting uh when especially when 15 Resident Evil games would come out at the same time, you would wonder <laughs> how much influence they had on one another. But the thing is at the time, each Capcom studio was very secretive to an extent. 
So there was like production studio one, which made games like, like the 2D fighters or they made like Devil May Cry 2, 2 and onward, I think. Yeah, exactly. MV, well, back in the day, it would have been MVC 1, MVC 2. Oh, yeah, one or two, yeah. yeah. They made Auto Modalista, that racing game with the cel-shaded graphics. And then they also made Resident Evil Outbreak 1 and 2. So they were very secretive, and they weren't sure what was going on with Production Studio 4, which was making Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil Remake, the Capcom 5, PN3, uh, Beautiful Joe, Dead Phoenix, Killer7, mm. um, and or three for that matter, Production Studio 3, which made, I think, Clock Tower 3 as well. So they did very little talking to each other, and there was almost no technology sharing whatsoever. So I'm that's sure why... That's so interesting. Fun. That's interesting. Yeah, my, under, my understanding is that Devil May Cry 2 runs on a different engine than Devil May Cry 1. Really? Onimusha ran, Onimusha ran on its own engine. Mm. Onimusha 2 and 3 ran on their own engine as well. Um, Dino Crisis was, was Dino Crisis 3 Crisis 3 was on its own engine Resident Evil Dead Aim was developed by Cavia that was a, an, ex, an outsourced studio they eventually made the Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles and Resident Evil Dark Side Chronicles titles as well okay. so I think conceptually the, the creative team behind Resident Evil Dead Aim had nothing to do with Mikami and Resident Evil 4 okay I would imagine maybe the the perspective shifting might have given Mikami an idea or two, but he's never referenced Resident Evil Dead Aim as a direct source of inspiration for Resident Evil. The only 4. comparisons I really see, and if I'm being quite frank, is when you is like uh, obviously door transitions, um, where it fades out and stuff like that, and obviously the third person mm. perspective. Where I don't know, the models look very similar to me, kind of. Obviously, uh, Resident Evil Four is up more, a little more upscaled, a little more mm. textured, a little more tasteful. I just uh, I always figured I always figured that there was some technology sharing because of that, but it's 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 really surprising to fear that there wasn't at all. Mm. Bringing it, yeah. Bringing I mean, it, oh, go on, is you were sorry. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, bringing it for now, we're actually uh, fully segueing into the the PlayStation, uh, the the PlayStation mm. Two games. I believe the first one was Dead Aim. Was it Dead Aim or was there? Uh, so, uh, excuse me. Except Code Veronica. After Code Veronica, the PlayStation Two. Yeah, there was. Off. I know there was Survivor there was Two somewhere in there. Yeah, Survivor Two was a port from the from the arcade hardware. So, uh, yeah, Dead Aim would be the first completely re- original Resident Evil game on PlayStation Two, and I think had it had a bigger budget. I think it actually, and maybe a more, a more, a more, uh, a more connected storyline to the original, to, to, to the main series. I yeah. think it would have been very successful because I actually really enjoyed Dead Aim. Yeah. I thought it's actually it pretty to look at. Very it's well made. Pretty to look at. It, yeah, I, yeah, I, I like yeah. the way it feels. The graphics were great. If if they didn't tie that to the whole gun con idea, I think it, we could have seen a remaster of it by now. Um, oof. Oof. Yeah, so do you think but was it, that in mind? Was it the gun con? Was it was it was it built with the gun con in mind, or was it just oh Namco? Yeah. I've got this really cool accessory that we used on Survivor. We should use it again. So it was actually built well, with that in mind. Well, the Dead Aim was known as Gun Survivor Four in Japan. Yeah. So oh, okay. for whatever <laughs> reason, Capcom Capcom really pushed the the Gun Survivor series for for a few years. It's it's really fascinating to see. Um. But yeah, that was just a spinoff. 
the yeah. I mean, I guess partly to, to to fill the lineup and to 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 keep releasing games and I guess at that point to um make up for the fact that Resident Evil 4 had moved off the platform. Although wonder, that was more outbreaks kind of thing, but yeah. I wonder if that was also a stray away from the actual fixed camera angles and stuff like that they were doing with four, because um, like you said, Resident Evil Zero kind of like tarnished that for them. Uh well, Dead Aim came out just a few months after Zero, so there would be no uh, correlation between the the direction. I think Dead Aim is what it is because Resident Evil Survivor One and Survivor Two were very uh they reviewed poorly and mm. resident evil survivor was definitely the that the, the first resident evil game where feedback was nearly universally bad right and i think they realized mm -hmm. yeah we can't keep doing these first person only resident evil games they're not going to be good and as we see they never went back in that direction until resident evil 7 right the, the chronicles yeah. games were around but those were like arcade style you yeah the, those, those are just rail so, shooters for a console release that's really all they were eh, exactly so i think that's why this holiday season we all wish for hope and healing children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps in giggles high fives and hugs for 150 years children's national hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season visit childrensnational.org holiday that's childrensnational.org holiday Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. Dead Aim kind of went back to the more traditional um, third-person viewpoint for exploration, but they decided to to keep the gun con around, and that's why they made the combat first person, which I think actually works pretty well. So I, I actually want to revisit the game at some point because I just bought a CRT, so oh, I can start oh, using yeah? the gun con again if I if I really wanted to. So lovely, <laughs> that's yeah. fantastic. So now we're yeah. we're entering Resident Evil Outbreak territory now. Mm. So new, so they they returned back to the fixed camera angles, but they had this new, they had this new technological advancement they had to work with, which of course was the online component. Which I feel, looking back now, was probably a little bit too early to release a game it's, of that magnitude. Yeah. What's your thoughts? Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, I guess for Westerners, it might seem a bit early because maybe internet speeds weren't really very well developed. But actually, Japan's always been kind of ahead of the curve when it comes to internet connections. They had broadband a lot earlier than, yeah. than they did in the West. So as far as Japan was concerned, I think they felt they were ready, uh, at least technologically. Um, and in my personal experience, connection issues with the outbreak games were much less common in Japan than they were uh, elsewhere. So uh, I... I think originally Mikami was supposed to do the Outbreak games, but then he was too busy with Resident Evil 4, so he handed off a lot of the production duties to uh, actually a very a very significant guy in Capcom history, Noritaka Funamizu. Uh, he was one of the earliest members of Capcom. He had been there since the 80s, and he, a lot of his uh, 
work was in the arcade division where he 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 supervised a lot of the success for Street Fighter 2. So he decided to take over the Resident Evil Outbreak production uh, duties and over at Capcom Production Studio 1. And they decided to keep a lot of the the framework from Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 in terms of the the style of gameplay. Uh, they were going to up the action a little bit and they wanted to have the multiplayer aspect to it. And I think the biggest motivation for multiplayer uh, Resident Evil was the fact that Capcom was the company that was known for Street Fighter. And so they they had a lot of success in multiplayer social, not not social game as, as we understand it today, but games where players interact with one another. The Resident Evil series had been very much one player focused. And I think a lot very of the much. other big games that had, exactly. And I think a lot of the other big games that had come out like Devil May Cry, Onimusha, Dino Crisis, Ace Attorney at that point as well. They're yeah. all one-player experiences. So I think Capcom was very much committed to trying to figure out how to get back to its roots as a, as a multiplayer-focused uh, game company. Uh, so online was the best way to do this. Uh, I think j- j- just for that note, Monster Hunter was the other big game that they were making with, with a multiplayer focus. And that was in development at the same studio, so Resident Evil Outbreak and, Mon- and the first Monster Hunter use the same engine. What? Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you know, the, the engines that were in use at the other teams weren't necessarily in use at another team. So I Production Studio One had their own engine that used that Devil May Cry 2, Devil May Cry 3, Resident Evil Outbreak, and Monster Hunter, I believe. I could definitely um, see that. That is insane. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was kind of their Capcom's team dedicated to multiplayer titles, and I think they had a few fighting games in development here as well. So um, now, I, did you ever yeah. partake in Outbreak in its heyday? Oh, absolutely! I sank so many hours. Into really, it. I was never, I was never a great player. Like, and I think part of the reason why was I kept choosing Yoko because she had more items. And yeah, but that's why I still apply to this day. Yeah, that's, that's who Andy <laughs> means. Um, uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, I never got to experience the online as a kid. I, I got mm. Outbreak on the PS2 late when the PS2's life where um, uh, mm. they had just they had just shut down Metal Gear Solid Three servers, um, and stuff like that, and. Uh, I had gotten it. I got Outbreak File 1, and I just it blew my mind every time seeing that when I started the game, network play. And it just blew my mind. I've never experienced Resident Evil as, as, as a multiplayer uh, campaign ever. And now as an adult, and I, I'm, I'm doing it now, and I am absolutely having the time of my life. I love it. I love Outbreak with, with friends. Yeah. It's, um, it's so much fun. I love it. <laughs> right. And it's, also yeah, hard. And it's also really hard. It's worth noting. Yeah, it's well, really... But... Yeah, mm-hmm. I was just going to say, just on that point, it was really worth noting that um, Resident Evil Outbreak launched in the UK without any... Without not, Yeah, without any... In the power regions, just yeah. with no, no really? power, uh, online support ever. So it's not even an option in the in the, in the in the start screen. There's no references to, to online. So I we played it. Yeah. We played it as a single player experience. So now that now that I have the opportunity now with the, the private servers, which have now got through the emulation um, using the observe private server network, I think, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And what are your thoughts on bringing this back as a, uh, even as a PS2 classics on PlayStation four or something like that? Well, I wouldn't say a remake. Uh, yeah. that's, 
but maybe even if they bring it back just just for a little just just with online support of course I mean, I would like for them to do that personally, but I, I do I do recognize there are a lot of challenges involved in, in, in making that happen. A lot of the net code is <clears throat> most certainly outdated. There's no built-in chat functionality, which was a huge problem uh, back in 2003 yeah, when people, people didn't... Back then, back in 2003, 2004, people in, in the US at least were still calling each other on their cell phones and you know racking up you know charges per minute Oh, okay. uh, I think I think Skype was already around back then, but the the idea of calling someone over the internet for free was still very much nascent, and so a lot of the, like a lot of the best uh, methods of staying in touch during the game was via AOL Instant Messenger, MSN Messenger. If people remember these, <laughs> yeah, these but things. I don't know how you how old you guys are, but you know those are my first forms of social interaction on the internet. Before but Facebook and how whatnot. susceptible? I mean, how could you? You know, how, did everyone have the? I don't think anyone had the ability to actually have both their computer and then their PS2 right next to them to say say what they're doing. So they had to do what the uh, I don't know what the system's actually called. Where you it's have to the ad lib system? Is it? Where yeah, like ad lib system. Yeah. Actually, can you hold on one second? I think my mailman's here. Sorry. <laughs> one second. Yeah, no problem. But yes, yeah, so this is a really interesting. This is a really interesting concept. Sure. So, so we actually we, we went from we went from single player Resident Evil into 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 multiplayer Resident Evil. And for me, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, Matt. But it was very much. It was it was very much. Um, I feel like it was too early. I really, I, I really. It, it was it that. was ahead of its time. It was a hundred percent. I mean, I I didn't think. Uh, online Resident Evil was even capable. I didn't know the PS2 went online with servers until late into its PS2 life. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I, 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 I think it was definitely early. Like now, as if this came out now, with um, uh, obviously with promoted, you know, with ded dedicated servers for it and everything, I think it would do fantastic. I agree with that. Yeah, I think I think there need to be a lot of technical tweaks. Particularly with with that. the loading yeah. times, and I think the game has uh, choke points uh, in it? certain parts. Choke points where, like, I think if uh, I can't remember, but there would be certain points where you can't finish the game because either the AI screwed up, soft locks, or like you were soft locks. Yeah, exactly. Or, or um, like a player got disconnected and didn't leave the item behind. That happened to uh, me the other day. Right. That happened to me the other day with the, cause you know how you already, I'm sure you know, there's already, uh, there's an online server base for fans um, to play the game online. I've used it. Yeah. Yeah. And I was playing more with our buddy, Nick, and he just disconnects and he, and he has the T blood like, uh, or uh, whatever that, whatever it was, or the, the P base and I couldn't grab it. And so I'm sitting here, <laughs> my affection's at 96. I'm about to go zomboy and I don't know what to do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that that could happen, and unfortunately, fixing that is probably commensurate to the budget of a mid-level game these days. Right? You can't just you can't just fix the code; you have to actually redo it, right? Yeah. And we all know that Capcom throws all their their stuff out the window once they're done with it. Basically, right? Yeah. I mean, I I would imagine they can probably port it if they wanted to. Uh, they've ported. A lot of games from that era, but I mean, and it's not an it's not unheard of for them to go back to a PlayStation Two game and 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 
and fix it up. Like I think the the Onimusha remaster had new voice acting and new music in it, so they can do it. But it, I didn't even know that. It Whether probably has. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if there are really enough Outbreak fans out there who care so much yeah. that they can make this into a commercially viable game without Capcom having to, you know, pour in the marketing resources for it. They'd have to do a lot of different things to it that I don't know if it would be trivial, right? So if it, if it wouldn't be trivial. So I... I don't know, but I mean, I just want to pour in one anecdote. And the reason why there's no voice chat in the game or even like like typing chat was because uh, in Japan, where the game was made, um, there's, a, there, there's a higher sense and a higher bar for privacy than there is in the West. So mm. I think a lot of the big... Capcom just didn't realize at the time how important communication was for for online games and the the xbox wasn't a big platform here so a lot of the innovations that xbox Li xbox live bought brought to the brought to the field were were they, they kind of flew over capcom's heads in a lot of ways so uh, and the reason is again it's it's a lot it has to do with privacy right mm -hmm. and you know there's there's, there's a there's a prevailing expectation in J Japanese society to maintain privacy. Like if you go to a Japanese arcade, you'll see that the if it, like 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 a like like an arcade cabinet, the two of them face each other, so the players don't yeah. see each other rather than in the West where they're next to each other. And I think a lot of that carried over into the outbreak, uh, in, into Resident Evil Outbreak, and how it doesn't have voice chat, even in the second game, right? The the mm -hmm. the expansion. So I think that was kind of a harsh lesson for them uh, in regards to, you know, you need voice chat when you're playing an online game. Yeah. Like the, the PlayStation Network and Xbox Live offer that. So when Resident Evil 5 showed up, that that wasn't necessarily a problem. Uh, but yeah. So it wasn't that they was technologically limited because I'm sure there were games that had voice chat. Didn't Sokum have voice chat? Uh, yeah, Western game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so, that go, so, yeah, yeah. Good so that kind of makes yeah, sense yeah. because I always thought in my head, only until you've started to explain it now, that it was a technological thing is why they couldn't include it. But if it's more of a yeah. if it's more of a cultural thing, that that totally makes sense. No, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think I think it's gotten it. Things have changed in Japan, and now there will be very few games that don't offer any sort of communication feature. But that's all built into the hardware's infrastructure. The PlayStation Two was a bit of a the, was a bit of a Wild West kind of situation when it came to online gameplay. So you know, it, it, we take PlayStation Network and Xbox Live for granted today in 2020, but back then it was really only the Xbox that offered uh, a cohesive online infrastructure that you had to pay for every month, mm -hmm. and that was still kind of a new thing back then. Uh, in, in the West, I think Red Evil Outbreak was. Uh, free to play online but in japan there was a monthly fee you had to pay for it around seven really? to eight dollars from what i remember yeah and you had to subscribe to that service for capcom games but it wouldn't necessarily work with the service that you had to pay to play final fantasy 11 for example and then uh, there's also the hard drive that you had to buy to reduce the loading times i'm personally of the opinion that resident evil outbreak might have been more successful if it was an xbox game i think the the fundamentals needed to make that game a technological uh, powerhouse were more prevalent 
or were present on the Xbox and you wouldn't have to buy a lot of accessories to make that happen. Um, I think you're absolutely right. I think right. it would have it would have looked a bit better. It would have run smoother, but you know, there was no market for the thing in Japan. So I think that was a non-starter for Capcom. And it sucks. Cause like a game like that, you want to play with friends. Cause I feel, I feel like there's a very few, few handful of people who've actually completed every single scenario of file one and two by themselves, let alone with right. friends, you know, or, you know, uh, vice versa. It's it, that, that game yeah. has so much content into, into, the, in, into and both file one and two. Yeah. And we know that there's tons of unused areas and unused um, mm. uh, uh, chapters and, and episodes that wasn't included in the, uh, in the final yeah. scenario. Yeah, they conceptualized, I think, 20 or 30 scenarios uh, <laughs> early on. Only 10 of them were used at the end. So, oh, jeez. Uh, I, I feel like Outbreak's already a long game. Already, it, it's a very oh, yeah. lengthy game. I'm still, was it decision? Yeah. Decisions is like the fourth scenario. Oh my god, that scenario alone takes like takes me like three hours. Oh great! Yeah, it's sad how it's it's longer than Resident Evil Three Remake. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, we're, yeah, we're fascinatingly fair. though. Go Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, no. Floor's yours. Please go ahead. You're right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I keep. I keep going on. Uh, no, please, talking, please but... go ahead, please. <laughs> yeah, the the first Resident Evil outbreak was definitely a success for Capcom in terms of sales. Like it actually outsold the GameCube games, which uh, was pretty remarkable because really, were, this was a this was a spinoff, right? And you know there was a relatively high barrier to entry, but Outbreak did sell better than uh, it sold better than the than Code Veronica on single platforms. It sold better than Zero. It sold better than Remake. The problem is when the second game came out and they hardly made improvements to it that people were asking for. Um, I think I think that pretty much spelled the end for the franchise. And one thing that people don't really know that that's not really like common knowledge was that there was initially a plan for Capcom to port Resident Evil Outbreak to PlayStation Portable PSP. Really. Is, yeah, this the, is this um, the Resident Evil Portable that was announced in 2010, or is that different? No, this was that's a different thing. That that eventually okay. became Resident Evil Revelations. Uh, Understood. Really people knew that, right? <laughs> I didn't know that either. Did you know? No, no, no. 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 See, the thing, the <laughs> it only makes thing sense we now. Got, the only thing we only got was uh, Resident Evil's coming to the PSP, and it was a it was a it was a PNG and a PSP PNG in front of it, and it had Resident Evil in front of it, and that's all we got. <laughs> You know? <laughs> I remember, yeah. It, it, I mean, not. I mean, yeah. It, it eventually became Revelations, but there okay. was a. They, they wanted to bring Resident Evil Outbreak to PSP, and that was initially the plan. But I think File Two underperformed when it came mm. out. Uh, and How long after they did decided, out? like nine uh, nine months after in Japan. Oh. Oh, okay. And. Uh, didn't sell very well. Resident Evil 4, meanwhile, did so well at around the same time. And people were totally sold on the new Resident Evil viewpoint. So I think they just pulled the plug on the the fixed camera Resident Evils after File 2. Like, if zero, zero was the beginning of the end. Outbreak. File 2 was pretty much the end of it. They did port Resident Evil 1 to DS, but that wasn't really a major thing. Mm. Um, and then they, they, they ended up passing on Resident Evil Outbreak on PSP in favor of Monster Hunter on PSP. Again, I remember that. On the I same remember team. that. And Monster Hunter became Capcom's biggest franchise eventually. Yep. So it did. Try, yeah, try, try, try. It was crazy. 
Um, that's it's weird funny that you how, say how that. How these decisions, yeah. It's funny that you say that 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 Revelations was originally on the PSP because we originally got a re- the Revelations that we did get came out on the 3DS, which is also a portable system. Yeah, I, d- I, d- I, yeah, enough, yeah. I didn't make the I didn't make the the connection then, but it totally makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense now. That that's very interesting. I wonder why that um the portable that title was so uh it had to be on a portable mm. system, which is weird because it was eventually ported to main mainline consoles. Yeah, like you don't normally see that. Right, it's ported. Mm-hmm. Right, it's ported from. Mm. The portable to and the big Revelations console. is such yeah. a, is such a console worthy. I'd like to say that use that word uh, loosely. Console worthy game. It it, it, it for the, when it came out for the 3ds, it was absolutely fantastic, and it brought it. You know, not to skip over five and six or whatever, but it brought us back to uh, survival horror, and 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 I think it was a precursor to seven. Well, I think it kind absolutely. of absolutely same director. Yeah, 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 same director. So you. Revelations and Seven have the flashback sequences, and they jump around in time a bit. Yeah, um, that's, yeah. That's all the work of the director Nakanishi-san. So, and he had, he had but he had what? No, I was I was, was going to ask it that did he have any say in Five? Because we don't really have that in Five, but we have Lost in Nightmares, which is but it's totally different content from the main line, so probably not, right? I I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I think. When I say flashbacks, I mean you're within the main game. You are yeah. jumping back and forth, right? Like, like the, the the Mia flashbacks and the tapes. And I, lo- I enjoyed Revelations. Story a jumping. Lot. A lot of characters too, in Revelations. Yeah. A lot of new characters in Revelations. Kind of, mm. kind yeah. of a uh... funny characters. I would yeah. say. <laughs> <laughs> just just yeah. uh, experimental characters, really. Which um, I, which I like. This point. Capcom mm-hmm. Capcom was never shy with characters. You know they. They make great concept for characters, and I, I was I, I love more Resident Evil characters so like that. So I love that. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but to go back to the PlayStation Portable thing, uh, I don't think Revelations in and of itself was ever going to come to PSP. I just think the the Resident Evil Portable project eventually transitioned into Revelations for the 3DS, and I think it was canceled for PSP because of political reasons. Political. Not political, as in like. Well, I mean, I think um, there. I can't get into too much detail, but mm. there, there were reasons that Capcom decided to support the Nintendo handheld instead of the PlayStation. Understood. Um, and that would say it was for the better because by the time Resident Evil Revelations came out, the PSP was pretty much done. Yeah, and the, and Vita, the Vita never became a big thing, so I think they right. made the right choice there. Yeah, I think Agreed. they did too. Which, and if you ask, well. I, I think Re- Revelations really kick-started the 3DS, it, to be quite honest. Yeah, oh, it was a glorious, yeah. it was a glorious title. Um, just just rewinding a little bit, uh, uh, there, there, there was another uh, kind of su- sub-series inside of Resident Evil, which was the, the Chronicles series. I just want uh, to quickly cover that. I, I, I appreciate with yeah, this, yeah. Is, this has been. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I did say I didn't want this to be three hours long, but this has been. It's so a great. Like, it's a great part. It's a good. This absolutely is a fantastic. Up so, to you. Up I, to I, you. I feel, I feel. Yeah. I don't. I just don't want to. You know. I, I want to try and cover everything, but I don't want to use up all of your time. Um, but mm. th- if we could cover the chronicles quickly, um, we know that Capcom liked the idea of House of the Dead from the Survivor series. Survivor series, that's weird. Weird way of saying exactly. uh, from the survi- exactly. from Survivor. Um, why did they then revisit it again for the Wii with the dark with the Chronicle series? 
Well, the Wii, the Wii remote just made sense, right? Oh, you're every, right. Every yeah. Wii, every Wii owner owns a Wii remote, so there's no barrier to entry. You don't need uh, anything other than the Wii's the Wii's sensor bar. You point you point the remote and you shoot. So it's it's right. fundamentally very simple, and uh, the it was the same development team as Dead Aim, so Kavia. Uh, I think Kavia has. Kavia made the Nier games as well. Autonoma? Not Autonoma. They made the first Nier games. Okay, okay. From what I remember. So they're a pretty good development team. And you can tell with the visuals of the Chronicles games that they were definitely very capable. Um, But yeah, Resident Evil on the Wii, basically, this was the first instance of a power diversion between systems within the same generation. So the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 were HD-focused consoles with a clear graphical leap over um, over the Wii and the previous generation. But for Nintendo, they realized with the GameCube that they just weren't able to really compete on the same level if they were going to maintain a, a, a technologically competitive console. So they decided to go with the different idea with the new controls and the underpowered hardware. And were they were they concerned so, at all with how well this would sell in Western audiences? Yeah, um, that's why the budget. I mean, the budget. It, yeah, it's it's a pretty low budget, right? If you look at Umbrella Chronicles, like it's a good looking game, but like the 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 voice acting and. History shows America rises to every challenge it faces. Every challenge makes us stronger. We're Americans. We find a way. At Kaufman Funeral Home, we give thanks to God for living in the greatest nation on earth. Take comfort in knowing when you need us, we'll be here for you. We'll put your family's needs first. Kaufman Funeral Home and Crematory. Frontier Drive in Stanton. Online at KaufmanFuneralHome.net. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org slash holiday. The cutscenes are very funky, right? They're yeah. <laughs> definitely a bit of a re- regression compared to Resident Evil 4. Um, and like they, they obviously cheated with the Resident Evil Three chapter as well. <laughs> so oh, yeah, you know, yeah. A lot of used <laughs> they skimmed over that very, very quickly. They're like, oh I'll yeah, re- they're like Resident Evil Three. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> did, did you see this nice <laughs> new OG story content that we have? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The like with the zero and one chapters, they just took the assets from the GameCube games, and they well, they, they, didn't, they didn't they but lowered they the fidelity it- and. I was just going to say they did. Yeah. They, what I do appreciate is they did make it fully three D. Yeah. Oh yeah, they had to. They had to. But I mean, those assets were originally three D. It's just that they took they, they they made them into videos in order for them to be pre rendered. But I think wow. the those I, files were still hmm. around, and they were able to take those poly the polygonal mesh models and then just downgrade them to run on the Wii. And that saved them a lot of time on the development end. And they kept all like the same character models. So yeah, it, it, it was a Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles was made as a budget experimental title to see how Resident Evil as a franchise would do on the Wii. And ironically, it was thanks to Resident Evil 4 Wii edition that Capcom soon found uh, out that there was definitely an audience for Resident Evil games on the on the Wii. So they they, they eventually put 
ported zero, correct, can... right? Yeah, port port is a generous word because it's the same hardware. <laughs> so they, I just, they literally I just did it. Control support. You know, like <laughs> exactly. Like in 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 the modern day, you could patch that into a game, right? Yeah. <laughs> Back then yeah. you'd have to re-release it. Uh but yeah, and then they made Dark Side Chronicles, which you know, if you look at the production values of that yeah. game, far higher. So. Yeah, I was about to ask you. Is now that was the same team, right? Yes. Why? Why did they? It, was it? Why? What was so such a difference in product? Like I obviously there was a bigger budget, right? Why? What happened there? I don't understand. Like whereas the like we got two. What was it? Two Veronica and this new story all pertaining to Leon and Claire, where it was definitely more high value. I wonder. What what where where the direction was for when it came to Umbrella Chronicles dividing from where it became Dark Side Chronicles? Um, well, yeah, Umbrella Chronicles sold much better than uh, anybody expected it to, and so did Resident Evil Four, and that's why they they decided to pour more resources into Dark Side Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, someone on the team was also a big fan of the movie Cloverfield, like with the whole <laughs> that touch <laughs> on my footage. <laughs> Uh, and the whole shaking and the yeah. war zone elements. So yeah, that you can easily tell. Like I think Dark Side Chronicles looks fantastic. Oh, oh yeah, God. it does. At a million it, times better. Like it, I, it, it looks better than Resident Evil Four. You know, and in, in my viewpoint, I could say yeah, code, I would say that. Like the Code Veronica chapter, even though the Wii is, I guess, technically in the same like technological ge- generation is the dreamcast it's definitely a step up right okay. really yeah oh like yeah. how the game looks uh, and i think this it's it's a shame that the the original chapter wasn't a resident evil store a resident evil 4 style uh entry i think if operation javier were like a spin-off that played like yeah, resident evil 4 I, and and the whole game focused on that it would have been a pretty good game like revelations was- before revelations was a thing really yeah, I was I was about to ask you, um, how did you feel about Operation Javier? It kind of bridged a gap between Co-Veronica and four, and well, two and four really. They crowds were backstory right. as well. Yeah, and they gave crowds a right. backstory because whereas, like, if we backtrack a little bit, you remember when we were talking about uh, how Leon? Last time we saw Leon, he was a rookie cop here, and then next we mm. see him, he's uh, he's an agent for the government, and all of a sudden there's this Krauser guy, and they have a past that we don't know about. So there was there was there was a lot of plot holes, and I think. Um, mm. like they obviously it, it it's because of they've redone redone it so many times. But I like how they tried to bridge that gap, and it was a really cool story how they intertwined that with four with Co Veronica with T Veronica virus. I, I I really would like to know your opinion. I appreciate it. Yeah, I would yeah, like to I know would your s- opinion about that whole operation. I would, yeah, I would say this was the better fill in scenario than than the one in umbrella chronicles right the one in umbrella chronicles just seems so nonsensical in a lot of ways and it, it was still kind of cool even though it, it it answered the question of how umbrella got taken down yeah <laughs> I, I didn't find i didn't find it very imaginative no yeah right <laughs> whereas whereas operation javier was obviously a lot more in depth and even though it's even though krauser's krauser's backstory is a minor thing i do i do like the treatment that they gave it Whereas you know, with Umbrella Chronicles, it was like, oh, you know, Umbrella went down because they invaded a base and killed a monster, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, remember Chris? Know, they... Remember Jill? 
<laughs> remember those guys? Jill, remember Wesker? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were actually busy. It doesn't really matter what. It matters less what they were doing. Just the, the end result is what it is, right? And, right. And, but I thought it was really segue, cool that we, that we got that 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 Wesker um, uh, a revival uh, scenario where it shows him actually escaping. I thought that was super cool. Like I said, I'm a lore junkie, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I wonder how Wesker got out. The, the mansion exploded, and you just see he gets up, yeah. and he just starts – he's like, oh, my body is more powerful, and he's talking about how – the virus is starting to course through his veins and stuff like that, which I thought was really cool. Which is also why yeah, I like Operation um, Javier. Yeah, I think with Umbrella Chronicles, all those behind-the-scenes scenarios were really cool. Like yeah. the one that's Wesker, the one where you play as Rebecca between zero and one, and oh, that's right. scenario I, as I well. Those were the good ones. Those I forgot were the about great that one, ones. Yeah. The, the actual Invade Umbrella was very... Um, <laughs> I, even though it's the invasion of the Umbrella headquarters, it felt like a generic, you know, outbreak kind of thing. Not not Resident Evil outbreak, but like just zombie outbreak. Go kill a bunch of monsters and you're done. Right? It was very, it was very, so, also very uh, movie esque. If I'm using that mm-hmm. term right, I felt like I was wa- maybe like watching someone's a uh, uh, movie adaptation of what what could have happened. Um, it was very action, you know. Uh, I feel like that could have been like almost like a a, a scenario in itself. In a good, in a, in a oh, good, yeah. uh, like, you know, like a good, kind of like a good revelations kind of sort of game of the downfall of Umbrella, which obviously missed opportunities go with that, you know, go without being said with Capcom uh, and Resident Evil mm. for that matter. So, yeah, I would love for them to go back to those storylines, just make third person games out of them with, oh, with full storylines. Could you imagine? <laughs> right. And oh, an actual a, character interaction. Fanboys, I mean, dream you, right there. If you think about it, I mean, if you see how Resident Evil 1, 0, 2, they all got abridged, right? Or mm-hmm. 1, 0, 3, rather. 0, 1, 3. A lot is missing, right? So I can only imagine what really happened in those scenarios. Oh, yeah. It's also abridged to an extent. And I would love to see them kind of... Oh, flesh it out, yeah. Flesh them out. Which exactly. is kind of cool, which is kind of cool because with the S.D. Perry novels, she, she definitely tries to, or uh, you know, tried to try to do that. It just it's unfortunate that the games were were in development coinciding with the writing of the novel, so it mm. it doesn't always match. Um, so yeah. like, and you know, lore junkies go crazy. Uh, well, well, this happened in this here, okay, but in in the in the in the book it says this. So it's just, I when it comes yeah. to lore though, you will get lost forever. So. <laughs> Yeah, the books are their own thing, and mm-hmm. you know you can't you can't write a book that 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 approximates every Resident Evil game down to a T, right? Exactly, that would be a very boring book to read. I would say. <laughs> so, I think she changed things around out of necessity, and I think she, I think SD Perry made stuff that was entertaining for for me to read, even yeah, if it's not exactly the same. I mean, especially it's, it's especially not supposed like. To, right? Yeah, and then like a coat, like a like a making Billy have a connection with Chris was kind of cool in the in the, in the novel. Just stuff, little, little stuff like that, which is why I think Operation Javier would have been a great standalone game. Absolutely, yeah. I think I think it has an interest, a more interesting story and a more interesting premise than the Revelations games, even. So it's. Oh, I I, I would say that I would say that most mm. definitely. You're you're tying in almost three games right there, two games right there. Yeah, Coveronica Four, mm-hmm. and then what would later become. I guess part of the crazy virus that comes through, you know. Oh, agreed. Right, agreed. So we're now we're now at a point we've 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 gone through the the Dark Side Chronicles, which is effectively just a retelling of the, uh, yeah. of the, of the mm. previous games. We're now entering 
I believe to be five and six. So what was uh, it, this is probably going to be after your after what's what's uh, detailed mm. in the itchy tasty uh, itchy tasty book, but. From from a fan's point of view, what was your what was your feeling towards five and six? And obviously, they it borrowing a lot of elements from Resident Evil Four, but then just mm. going whole hog into into full full on action. What was your what was your thoughts? Um, can we take a quick bathroom break? Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, no problem at all. No problem I apologize. Yeah, I've... that's okay. That's okay. Right, like two it's, hours it's in. Yeah, yeah. No, we're very grateful. I will be back in. Uh, a minute or two. Yeah, no, we're to talk. Sorry. So while we're doing that, guys, we're just going to talk about uh, the, the the man himself, uh, Alex Annual, who's who's joined us today um, for a special episode of the Biohazard to Classified podcast. Alex is uh, he's, he's written a book. Um, he he lives in Japan and he covers he chronicalizes um, the development process. I'm gonna hit the tank uh, too, Andy. Yeah, no problem. Uh, of the uh, of the development cycle of of Resident Evil from 1996 to around 2005 2006 so if you're an OG fan and you love you love the original content I would definitely I would def- definitely recommend supporting it I've got a link to the book in the uh, in the comment section there um I've got it as a pinned comment if you want to support Alex's book Alex has been a prominent member of the Resident Evil community for over 20 years now and um this book will absolutely blow your mind. The stuff I'm hearing today is absolutely fantastic. We're getting we're getting interesting, Jen, into the original Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 development. Capcom working on what seems to be about 15 games, 15 Resident Evil games at once. When you had Resident Evil Survivor, Resident Evil Code Veronica, then you had then they were bringing them all to the GameCube. Then they were bringing them to the N64. Then they decided to cancel the N64 port, and then they brought it out on the GameCube. Absolute, absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, Alex is in a very special position where he lives in Osaka. He, he speaks fluent Japanese and, and has an unreal connection um, to the developers of the uh, original uh, of the uh, original Resident Evil. So uh, we're grateful for his time today. But please, um, please jump on over to his link. Uh, I see a couple of you guys in the comment section who's watching the live feed have actually uh, have actually we've got another two supporters on uh, on on Alex's campaign here. So please, please uh, jump on over to Alex's. Uh, uh, unbounded link and uh, let's get let's get this book funded and uh yeah we'll um yeah let's get this funded uh because this is super awesome jen and and uh one one in a million information so let's just let's just bring you back in here <laughs> thank you thanks sir uh thanks for your patience and thank you for the the two new backers uh i really appreciate it yeah, no, I mean, yeah, the, the no, book no. is definitely happening now because we we hit the funding goal back in December. But I I really can't wait for this to to come out. Unfortunately, because of everything that's been been going on around the world with COVID nineteen, uh, it, it did slip into twenty twenty one, and I really do apologize for that. Uh, but hopefully, we'll 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 be in a better place next year. And oh, great. I can't wait till everybody reads it. I think one of the biggest problems that I actually am having with this book is that there's a signed edition, but I actually have to fly to the UK for that. And very few people are flying right now. So yes, I, yes, I wouldn't wish, yes. I wouldn't recommend fly, uh, wouldn't wish uh, flying to the UK <laughs> on my worst enemy. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. no, <laughs> um, no, but that's, that, that's glorious. And um, yeah, obviously this is, th- this is, 
an unprecedented book. It's not, uh, we briefly spoke about it earlier about how it's going to be. It, it's not, it's not a novel or anything like that. It's a completely nonfiction, pure developmental mm. process and um, breakdown of the Resident Evil games. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, and it we, actually I, I passed really cool. the, the end point of the book. Uh, the, the, the Wii stuff isn't actually in there. So, yeah, no, that's cool. But it's, it's, uh, I figured that was the case, well, hence why I kind of prefaced it. But it's, it's good to know mm. that it's good to uh, get your get your thoughts on it. And, you know, we're going to start we're going to start yeah. moving towards um, the new Resident Evils, which I, I do want to talk about. I'm not sure how much time you've got left, yeah. but I'd love to talk about them, too. Um, but yeah, so we was we was picking up on um, Resident Evil Five and Six. We just covered them broad brush. Mm. Um, what was you? Uh, what was uh, your, your thoughts behind that? And do you have any sort of anecdotes around that? Yeah, um, the the next ten years of Resident Evil development, from I guess up until the release of Seven, between Four and Seven, I don't actually think a lot of super interesting things took place to the degree that they did in the first 10 years, right? The first 10 years of Resident Evil was them trying to find their footing and seeing what works and how to deal with what happens when the, what happened when the franchise sank in popularity for a while. Whereas the following decade, the, the series' popularity was a lot more consistent and it grew a lot. Uh, and I would say, yeah, Resident Evil 5 was a fine game. I don't think it was as good as 4, but I do think that it, it, it made Resident Evil into a credible multiplayer franchise, and I do think people still enjoy the game today. It was the first HD game, the first game in the series where the production values were truly out there. Can I ask you why? Why you don't like it as much as 4? I don't mean to cut you off. I just, I really, I really got to know. Um, I just don't think that, a lot of the set pieces are as interesting as what they did in four. And a lot of them mm -hmm. are modeled after Resident Evil four, right? Like the, some of the enemies and some of the situations like shooting down the, the car that's going after you. Um, yeah. I yeah. I, 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 I totally know what you mean. I think Resident Evil four gets points for originality and deliberate design. Like the pacing is absolutely phenomenal. And each situation, even though it might be materially similar to a situation from earlier in the game, there's enough about it that's different, like with the environments, right? Or, or whether you're with Ashley or not, that really mix things up a bit. Whereas Resident Evil 5 is just, it's, it's very consistent from beginning to end. And there are times where I feel like encounter A is far too similar to encounter B. And I, I think I think the biggest I think the biggest change Resident Evil 5 throws at players in the later part of the game is like giving enemies guns, right? And 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 focusing on the Gears of War style um corner shooting mechanic. Is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah it's cover a, it's, shooting mechanic, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, and then like it, it kind of comes out of nowhere and like so you don't really know that yeah. you can do it until it says it gives you the command you're like, "Oh, oh, okay." Cool, you know, but like, I, yeah. I, I, I also think that's kind of its, kind of part of its charm. It's um kind of like loose cannon charm. It's very reminiscent of PS3 action games. You're right. You're most whereas Resident right. 4 is definitely more original. Okay, I actually like that mm. explanation a lot. That's the best explanation yeah. I've ever gotten. <laughs> it's not. It's not bad, but I mean, if you really look at the creativity behind Resident Evil 4 and all the influence that it's had, 
and you think about where gaming was in 2005 versus where gaming was in 2009, there were people who didn't think Resident Evil 5 was as good as Dead Space, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. Um, whereas you will be hard-pressed to find someone who can find a game like Resident Evil 4 and just as good as it, right? And I, and I yeah. recognize that today, even, even today, Resident Evil 4 is probably as a whole untopped right certainly not right. by five maybe resident evil 2 remake gets to that point for some people but it's still a very different game so yeah that that, that was probably the biggest problem i had with five um, but it's a it's a fun game i really like the story i really like the characters the graphics still look very nice today um especially if you played on a switch and you have the little oh i love i just got it i just really got it for the switch and i'm uh, all my nights before bed is just Resident Evil 5 Mercenaries, and they got it to where it's, I think it's called uh, Union, Res Mercenaries Reunion or something. Reunion. Like yeah, yeah, it's all of them. United. United. United, yes, United. yes, thank you. <laughs> it's all, they're all in there at one playable game. It's just, it's so awesome. It's really cool. I, I really like that. I think it really does well on a portable system. I think it it's hmm. made well for it, to be quite honest. Right. And it did take a while to make Resident Evil 5. It took about four years, but that's because Capcom was new to the HD scene at the, at the time. And, you know, they were still trying to figure out the MT framework idea that, that they inherited from Dead Rising and Lost Planet. Uh, mm. And, but yeah, I would, I would say it's a very successful game. Definitely the best-selling one in the series so far. Uh, and it's, it's, it's been selling for 10 years, which is... Yeah. <laughs> Pretty unusual for a lot of games, right? Most games have a shelf life of maybe two to three years. Capcom, Capcom has managed to keep Resident Evil 5 very much relevant. Even even the last gen version still sell copies, you know, every now and then. So I think it's, Capcom's best selling think, game, right? Uh, uh, well, for a while there. It, for it was for a long time in Monster Hunter World. Uh, Completely just, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Monster Hunter is definitely a very different kind of beast. Like with Monster Hunter, everyone buys the same game. With Resident Evil, people buy different games because there's so many of them. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. how different was Resident Evil 5's beginning story that, to the one that we got? How much do you know about that? Uh, probably as well as most other people know. Uh, Capcom you know, had an art book that kind of detailed a lot of the original ideas that they had for Resident Evil 5. But, like, I think Jill was supposed to originally um, be playable at the end of the game. Yeah, that, that was my next question. Uh, yeah, Things like that. There were no dramatic changes that, 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 they, that, that we saw with Resident Evil 4. Uh, and I think they, they stuck to the concept pretty consistently from beginning to end. Um, they 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 really upped the the stake in the story, and they really wanted to continue from where Code Veronica left off. So 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 they were just going to completely just drop Sheva as a character in favor for Jill at the end. Well, I I, I think the original concept was Sheva would get kidnapped herself yeah. after they saved Jill, and Jill and Chris would go and save Sheva. But I think they 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 abandoned that because they didn't want to. Do Sheva dirty, right? Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly, right. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, you know, all in all, a solid game. Uh, I think the only real production difficulty at the beginning of development was the director, uh, because by this time Mikami was gone, right? Mikami and a lot of the other original Resident Evil creators were gone, so this served as kind of a clean break in a lot of ways. Um, Mikami did choose a director for this game, but apparently he didn't have the chops to make it through the end. Mm. So they ended up changing the, the, the director to Ampo-san, 
Yasuhiro Ampo, and he he eventually saw the project to completion. But I mean, other than that, there weren't really too many terrible things that happened with this game. I, I, and I love this game for what it is. It's one of my most most favorite Resident Evil games, which is weird because I'm one of those fans on the spectrum where my favorite game is Resident Evil One Remake. I'm I'm, I, I'm a diehard fan of the uh, of the of the originals, but I also love Five and Six uh, just for mm. what they are. I I I I can't I can pick up Five anywhere any day of the time and just have a blast for a whole hour. Right. And I think it took a lot of people time for them to adjust to the direction that Resident Evil 5 had gone in. Because even though the gameplay was very similar to 4, there were a lot of departures to it in terms of the game structure and the whole emphasis on online and the lack of horror elements. And uh, these were problems for people when it came out in 2009. But I think they kind of got used to it. Yeah. And I think um, seeing, seeing where Resident Evil 6 went allowed people to appreciate Resident Evil 5. Because, you know, I, I like 6 enough, but 6 was definitely a problematic game in, in, in a lot of different ways. And I think Resident Evil 5 luckily didn't veer down that path. Uh, and I, yeah, I would say it's a very good, very good example of, maybe Capcom didn't shoot as high as they could in theory, but I don't, I don't see very many low points with it either. And it's a very yeah, successful game. And, and, and it's weird, whereas Resident Evil 6 has the same charm almost. Kind of. RE6, I mean, I think as Resident Evil fans, you might like RE6 for different reasons, but mm-hmm. I would say that it definitely has a, t- a tainted reputation. Oh, big great. time. Um, I would agree for, with you 100%. For various reasons. Uh, it, it's, it's... History shows America rises to every challenge it faces. Every challenge makes us stronger. We're Americans. We find a way. At Kaufman Funeral Home, we give thanks to God for living in the greatest nation on earth. Take comfort in knowing when you need us, we'll be here for you. We'll put your family's needs first. Kaufman Funeral Home and Crematory. Frontier Drive in Stanton. Online at KaufmanFuneralHome.net. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org holiday. That's childrensnational.org holiday. The game has sold very well. And I think it's because it's a very mainstream kind of experience with emphasis on action, lots of explosions, very long game. Uh, But I think Resident Evil 6's biggest failure came from the lack of cohesive direction. I think they, I think Capcom stopped worry, stopped thinking about how to be original and they were following the trends of the time that were being set by the Call of Duties and the, the battlefields the Gears titles that that Western developers had made. And I think they the, the, the project became so bloated and so unfocused and, mm-hmm. and the technical polish suffered for that in a lot of ways. It's so, an identity uh, that, that, crisis almost. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, sorry, I just said it, it's a bit of an identity crisis. It just didn't know what oh, it really absolutely. wanted to be. Absolutely. This... Um, 
you know, if Resident Evil if Resident Evil Zero was a cause for alarm, Resident Evil Six was, you know, the ambulance, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Speeding down the highway, you know, toward Capcom headquarters. But Resident Evil Six, even though it sold well enough, it didn't initially meet their expectations. The budget was pretty massive for the game, and I don't think Capcom made a penny on it for a while. So they they, they have now, obviously. Yeah. But, but back then, it was definitely an underperforming title, and <clears throat> for Resident Evil Seven, they were really wondering where they where they could go with the with the series. Um, they knew they couldn't make another Resident Evil Six game, even though I think that was the original intention. Like they really wanted the Resident Evil formula, Resident Evil Six formula, to, formula to stick, and they were going to go for it and make Jake kind of the central character in that direction. Really? But because the because the game performed so poorly uh, on review sites, they decided to abandon those plans. So they, they kind of had to do a little bit of soul searching uh, in, in order to find their direction. And Resident Evil 7 was one of those. But I think the reason why they were able to settle on the direction of Resident Evil 7 was because uh, after RE6 came out, they released Revelations on HD systems, right? And sure. Revelations was better received than Resident Evil 6 was. And I think after that, they also did the remaster of Resident Evil 1. And that also performed very well for Capcom. So the whole horror focus, the, the, the return to horror was Capcom's way of being able to stand out again. And being able to follow its own path rather than trying to go after... The Call of Duties and the the battlefields, right? That they, that they couldn't possibly live up to themselves. But e even with, like with Resident Evil Seven, they went with the first person direction because they they wanted to be anti open world. They wanted the game to have a very specific focus. Uh, and you know the the results from Revelations One, Revelations Two, and uh, Resident Evil Remake HD were very encouraging in terms of stepping away from the action focus that had been introduced with Resident Evil Four, but they still weren't sure if the Resident Evil first person idea would catch on because it was still kind of a stigma thanks to the Survivor series, right? And they they weren't sure if it would be successful. So that's why when Resident Evil 2 remake was greenlit, they decided uh, to make it a very different game than 7 to kind of hedge their bets in case the first person viewpoint was not very well received. It's Luckily, kinda... it was. So, yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting the fact that Revelations uh, it, it it took third person the over the shoulder perspective with the horror, and then they added the first person when the aiming. I wonder if that was somewhat a precursor to that. Like you said, it was the same director. So a I, little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the first person aiming was also partly because it was a 3ds game with a small screen. And yeah, and then they just they, that was the first game they actually implemented um, uh, mm. moving while aiming. I think too, right. Uh, in in the main series, yes, yeah. File Two would have been the first game in general. Um, but I think the 3DS also had gyro controls, so having yes. a first person option for that made a lot of sense um, in terms of how to make it a, a user friendly experience. Um, but like, I mean, Resident Evil Seven it drives the whole first person element of the yeah the, the first person idea home, and even though even though at, at a surface level, Resident Evil 7 might play similarly to Resident Evil 2. Um, I would say the, the perspective does make a huge difference. So I'm really, I'm really impressed and also very happy that Capcom has managed to find two different styles of Resident Evil that work.
very well. Yeah. And uh, it's it's like the Mario series, right? You have your 2D Mario, you have your, and you have right. the two different styles of 3D Mario. You have like the Odyssey style and the 3D land, 3D world Platform. style. And Capcom, Capcom has managed to make that work for Resident Evil as well, which is which is a good thing. Um, I think the only question now is whether action Resident Evil really has a future. And I would imagine yeah. the, the remake of the remake of four that that's been long rumored is probably going to be a testament to whether it is or not. I think you, Resident Evil three remake kind of went yeah. in that direction as well. I thought, I thought Resident Evil three remake kind of like tried to dip, dip its foot in that already. Kind of like, um, it, it mm. was, was cause you, we already know that Res, the OG Resident Evil three was already kind of action oriented. Um, and now they just yes. kind of implemented that into a modern setting. And I wonder if it, the way they're going to do it now will execute better than what they did from five. But it's also interesting to think in the fact that five did five did so well that it even garnered its own spinoff on the 3DS mercenaries 3D. But mm -hmm. that's just a mini game of sorts. So I guess it's not really comparable in which that you could use that. I, think, I mean, yeah. Uh, I think Resident Evil 3 was, really works well as an action-oriented game. It does, yeah. It's just a bit short, right? Mm. And I don't think I don't think there's a lot of original originality in it, unlike Resident Evil 2 remake. So I think those are the biggest problems with with three. Um, but I do I do think that they are trying to inch back toward an action offering, and if they can successfully do that. Then that'll be three viable directions for the Resident right. Evil, which I think is unprecedented. You know, there have yeah. been multiple Resident Evil styles in movement at the same time in the past, but mm -hmm. usually one success came at the expense of the other. Like I think Resident Evil Four success destroyed any chance of Outbreak File Two, right? Yeah, finding find, finding finding a market for itself. But now we we've got Village coming up. That's a first person game, and you know there are some people who are unhappy with that, but I think there are other people who are really going to be into it, especially as a next gen game. And you know, Resident Evil Two was was a phenomenal title that finally, without without caveats, merged the original Resident Evil flavor with the the over the shoulder view. Yeah, and so, I think it did it did what Revelations did fucking beautifully yeah. <laughs> you know it, it was yeah. it, it was yeah. it was really great i think resident Evil 2 is, yeah, a, yeah. is a complete and utter definition of a good remake totally as a, totally as a whole alex what did you think of the return to raccoon city like uh, uh resident evil 2 and 3 remake together as a as a package like, well I, I know you, I, you liked resident evil 3 but uh, resident evil 2 but yeah what what was your thoughts on that I, I cannot sing enough praise for Resident Evil 2, especially after Resident Evil 3 came out and <laughs> we saw what, they could have, what else they could have done had they not stuck to the material much closer. But 2 is a masterpiece. And I think my, my biggest complaint would be the lack of variety between the different scenarios, but yeah. forgivable. Like the, like the level design, the progression, the pacing uh, and Resident Evil 2 are just excellent. And I am really glad that Capcom uh, Capcom uh, was able to settle on a direction for that title that just worked so well. And you know, I, even though even though there are a lot of differences between the remake and the original, and a few things were missing, like the spiders and the moths and the crows. But did uh, but I, did I, you I, miss them? All for the better. I mean, 
not necessarily. No. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> I, I, I would have liked to see the Black Tiger Spider BOWs in that in the new RE engine. Don't get me wrong. I didn't miss them. <laughs> you know, uh, that's yeah, how I feel. Me neither. Yeah, that's yeah, how. That's kind of like the Resident Evil Three with the whole uh, Grave Digger thing. I mean, it, it would have been nice to have, but I'm not losing sweat over it. Like the things they took out of Three were a problem in a lot of ways, but not not necessarily with Two. I would say. So <laughs> I don't know how I, you guys feel. I I actually I and en- I enjoy Three Remake a lot actually because um as I, I didn't I didn't beat OG three until later, like in a little early in my young adult years. I, I just I just think that the remake three is actually a better version of OG three. Yeah, I do miss clock that I think the clock tower ver, um version of in the RE engine could have been fantastic. Um it would have been the game longer too. That's the only gripe I really have. It's not long enough. Yeah, I mean I'm not I mean the gameplay's fine. I mean, it, it's 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 based off of the framework established with Resident Evil Two. So in that sense, there's a good foundation there. But I just I just wasn't I wasn't a fan of the lack of puzzles and oh well, yeah, I would agree with that. And, I would and agree the with lack that. of the lack of variety from playthrough to playthrough. Like I, if they had just added these small elements that made the original RE Three so unique, then I think it would have turned out better. Right. I mean, there's little about Resident Evil 3 that could make it as good as Resident Evil 2, in my opinion. But I think they missed the opportunity to elevate the third game in the context of the whole series. Right. The original game kind of got overshadowed by Code Veronica and it was never as good as RE2. That's fine. Right. It wasn't supposed to be. This game, you know, 20 years later, they still stuck to that framework of, you know, kind of selling the third game short and i just wasn't i don't think it's as forgivable this time around right nobody told capcom they had to release another resident evil game 14 months later right so <laughs> right and then and then it was it yeah. basically wasn't even like when they were releasing three remake it was like hey we also got you see here you see this is resistance you know mm. I, it was, which we, it, that that's all it really was it was uh, a, a ploy for resistance to come out that's a that's a flawless yeah. um, segue. Actually, you're wearing a Project Resistance shirt. I was about to say think? that. Yeah. yeah. What do you what do you, what do you think of Resident Evil Resistance? I don't know if you can see, but it says. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. This this was a that's gift cool. from a friend of mine at Capcom, so uh, <laughs> I thought that's be really cool. Apt to wear this to the to the podcast. I mean, obviously the name changed. Uh, I actually uh, I haven't played much of Resistance because it's always changing, and I. Uh, want to get into the game when when things kind of stabilize yeah um, i'm also i'm also pretty bad at it it's a hard game yeah it's, it's very stressful to play mm. um especially if you don't have a good team uh i've been i've been playing yeah. it non-stop for about the past month and a half now i want the game to do well i am a big advocate for um an online Resident Evil game. I loved Mercenaries Five, uh, 5 online. I absolutely loved it, um, and I, li- I like how the servers and stuff are still open for um, these games. Still, I think Resident Evil. I think a Resident Evil online game can do well. Outbreak is obviously a precursor to that. Mm. You know, and and yeah, there's a lot of inspiration there for sure. It, it's super. And a lot of people are mad that they didn't just get an Outbreak remake, but. <laughs> um, 
what are you going to do? You know, uh, Resident Evil 3 and that whole release was just a whole lot of missed opportunities. Yeah, I, th- I think it's um, I think it's a um, it's the next evolution in multiplayer gaming. This kind of four versus one asymmetric multiplayer. So it was inevitable that we was going to get something like this. Um, but from yeah, from, I, from, from go on. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was just going to say. I mean, I, I really like the concept, and I think I like it a lot. I would I would like Resident Evil to have its own version of Mario Maker, where we can make like the environment, <laughs> and we can set the cool. items wherever we want. Without the stress, without the added stress of having to do it in real time, right? Like, I think if I could spend right. an hour designing my own Resident Evil game, like, that would make a kick-ass, like... That would be pretty Extra cool. mode. That right? would be pretty I think cool. Re- Resistance does have the fundamental, uh, or ha- does have the base for Capcom to eventually make that happen. So, <laughs> you choose your own character, you choose your own costumes, designs, you know, whatever. And I think it'd be fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't know. Hundred percent. It's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of uh confusion in the resistance community right now. <laughs> you know, uh, whereas uh, they don't know if they like all those uh nuances where you can you know make the survivors struggle. So and like whereas uh, if you can make your own, you know, you're making yourself struggle and you like it a lot because like oh crap, you know, like I, I can't get past these three zombies I put here. Uh, the mm-hmm. game's real, rather broken. Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> about being quite hard. honest. I think yeah, it's par- par- partly the online connection. There's a lot of latency. There's no dedicated uh, servers. You have to. You, there's no dedicated you, server. You have to rely on the masterminds connection, which which is mm. really bad in itself because like that masterminds have found ways to um ba- if essentially break the game for survivors. So, but again, oh, it, really? it's it's a growing game. It's a growing game. Which and like I said, I think Resident Evil Online can do really well. It's in execution. Yeah, it's an it's an outsourced game as well. So I think yeah, um, yeah. There, there's only so much that team can do. You know, not not being an internal Capcom team, mm-hmm. from what I imagine. So I, I think I really respect what Neobards, the the Taiwanese developers, have right. to do, and I really think that they they've worked very hard, and I'm and I'm impressed with their post launch commitment to making sure that the game stays relevant. I think it Resident has Evil Village has so. been announced. Yeah, Village Village got announced, and I felt like that could have been an opportunity for Capcom to forget about the game, but luckily they haven't. Because right, you look at right. uh, um, Umbrella Core, right? That had like two months of support, and then just pulled the plug yep. entirely. Uh, and I'm glad they didn't do that again this time because that would have been really bad. Um, that's a nice yeah. segue. That's a really nice segue mm-hmm. because I'm going to do a bit of a picture association here. So, what was your thoughts? <laughs> I always do this with all of my guests because of the recent. Sure. <laughs> what was your thoughts? You saw this man. <laughs> oh, that's my. That's actually my wallpaper. Maybe I can sh- <laughs> minimize this window. That's actually. Um, I really love this render. Uh, share screen. Uh, Can we I gotta, do that? Oh, I gotta allow this. Well, I can. I just have to. Um, Shoot, I have to permit it on. No, never mind. It, it won't let me because it's a security setting. <laughs> uh, but it's it's actually that's actually my wallpaper. So um, so you're you're you're, you're, you're a screenshot of. You're a Redfield fan. Actually, no, I'm not. Oh, uh, so people have gotten mad at me uh, in the past for for trolling on Twitter, but. Uh, 
actually much prefer Leon and Jill over the Redfields. Really? For a, for a myriad of reasons. And, and those two are definitely the most popular characters. So I think maybe that might be part of the reason why. But I do like Leon and Jill better. I do like the games they appear in better than the Redfields appear in. Really? <laughs> Oh. And it's so weird. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm actually quite the opposite. I, 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 I'm 100% for the games that the Redfields appear in, but I don't. Not I mean, as you know, huge Code fan. Veronica is still one of my favorites, so it's it's not like I dislike them. I just yeah. don't prefer them as much as much as I do the the other two characters. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean that that's the beauty of Resident Evil. There's so much for people. Uh, you know, there's it's not Metal Gear Solid where you have Solid Snake, right? And maybe yeah. Raiden. Right, if you're lucky. Maybe, you know, you right. Have, you know, you, we've got the Barry stands. We've got the the Ada fans. We've yeah. got you know all the all the different characters. And uh, then with Revelation yeah. Two, it threw that out the water. You know, because now you got Barry returning, and then you got Claire returning, and it's yeah. Mm. It, the community is uh, yeah. when it comes to fan fan stands, it, it's crazy with this community. Which I also love it, though. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I would miss it if it was gone. I'm just glad they fixed his face. Right. Like, I really hated right. that. I really hated that about Resident Evil 7. That's like, my that red was, build right there. That was a huge <laughs> mistake. And I think, you know, you know, it's like surprise, you know, this character is actually coming back. And we hinted at it at the radio broadcast for the end of the game. And different voice actor who sounds nothing like the oh, Chris I that know. we know and completely different face. And you know. It was like unintentional misfire, right? Like I think they wanted people to spend the next few months wondering why Chris was right, doing right. what he was doing. But then people were just so fixated on whether it was him in the first place that I think a lot of the element of surprise got diverted into something that ended up being a huge nothing burger, right? It, it, right, exactly. <laughs> like, Especially when when it's you, like when you go into the yeah. uh, the, the the story and he's like, "Oh, I'm working with Umbrella now." Okay. <laughs> okay. You get a different face. You get a different voice actor, which I know is probably nothing to do with the story. But now you're working with Umbrella. Mm. Who, like, who, who are you? You're not my Redfield. I don't know right. who you are. <laughs> you know, it, it just like, it completely you, went left field. Like, if you play the game with Japanese voicing, um, then you know that radio broadcast before the end, you can recognize that it's a voice you know because they've kept the same voice actor. Ah, uh, okay. So Japanese people who played it in Japanese and who know the language, obviously, you know, it's like, oh, that voice. I know that voice, right? That, yeah. I think that's one of the lines in 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 one of the Resident Evil games. That was that that lead up made sense, even mm-hmm. if the face was different. Like, but in the English version, it's just like, oh my god, like who is this? Guy? <laughs> yeah, you're... so yeah, I'm I'm glad they have the face that we know. He's back. Was it like they couldn't find the right. correct base model? Was he not available for seven? Is I think I think Capcom just didn't realize how important this was. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and I, d- I do respect the fact that maybe RE7's Chris does look s- broadly similar to the earlier renditions of Chris, but everything else was also different, right? The characterization and yeah, I just think they 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 if they wanted if they wanted not a hero to be the 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 continuity to previous Resident Evil games, I think they really failed in that regard. So it's good to see Chris now in RE. Yeah, the, the, uh, someone over there at Capcom has it. Uh, 
has uh, some big plans for Chris for some reason. Uh, he's uh, he's in quite a few of these Resident Evil titles, more than the fan favorites, you know. And we've spoke about his appearance. Yeah, that's a, yeah. We've spoke about his mm. appearance, and obviously watching the trailer, it seems like we're hinting towards more evil Chris Redfield, which was mm-hmm. first reference, I believe, in the original E3 trailer for Resident Evil Revelations, where mm-hmm. they were going to kind of make Chris a little bit darker. What are your mm. thoughts on that, Alex? That's a good question. Um, I think there's definitely a lot of misfire that they're intending to do. Um, like after after the whole Jill thing in RE5, like nothing's off the table for me. Like in terms of what, how much, right. how much they're willing to try to trick people. Uh, I, th- I just think we've forgotten about it in the last few years because we've we've gotten to RE2 and RE3, right? And we know the stories to that. So there was very little surprise for those. RE7, um, they, 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 I guess the whole trick was it's not actually a reboot. It's still connected. But literally, we're just not going to talk about anything else, right, until the very end. Uh, so I'm, I'm just – I'm waiting to see what the jig is, like, and, and whether the jig is up or not with Chris. Um, he has appeared in a lot of games recently. Um, but it's kind of the quantity versus quality argument, right? Like, right. I would not equate <laughs> – I would not equate Chris's appearance in RE7 with his appearance in RE6 or RE5 or Code Veronica. I just think that kind of does a disservice to the character, right? I don't think right. 7 really represents Chris. I think he makes he makes a guest appearance for a very short scenario and he doesn't do very much and I and I and then the DLC isn't even on the disc, right? Like it's the free DLC. Uh <laughs> So, whereas whereas the other DLC end of Zoe was on the disc for the Gold Edition, though so that's why I don't really want to count RE Seven as as a full on Chris game. Um, uh, with Village, who knows? We'll see. We'll see how much of a role he plays. But if it's another short situation like with Revelations or with RE Seven, I'm going to be a little underwhelmed by that, right? You know. Are you broadly looking forward to it, though, Resident Evil Village? Oh, absolutely. I think it will. This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org holiday. That's childrensnational.org holiday. For the ones who are always in the know. For the ones who keep things running. For the innovators and the problem solvers. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, experienced staff at local branches, and free access to experts to help answer your toughest questions. So whatever challenge you face, we have the knowledge and products to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's great. I think uh, RE7 was another one of my favorite Resident Evil games, and I think it did so much right to to bring back Resident Evil from the from the difficult situation it was in, thanks to RE6. And I think it would have been underwhelming to get another over-the-shoulder Resident Evil game this soon. So I'm really glad that they're going back to the first person, and I, hopefully the the next-gen consoles allow for uh, a lot of technological improvements that weren't possible this generation. 
especially with loading times. I think the size of the world have potential to improve, hopefully. Um, assume, assuming this is a full-fledged next-gen game. Like, I don't know. The visuals don't look far enough advanced over RE7 that I, I would wonder if maybe they have... A, plans for a ps4 and an xbox one version i don't know but well, we do we do know that it that the play <clears throat> test was undertaken on a playstation 4 pro that that we do know oh okay so right but they sure, haven't sure. they haven't confirmed that it's going to be on ps4 pro or we know that it was the the, the only inf- official information we know is that it's going to be a ps5 release but i don't think that rules mm. out a ps4 release and i think it'd be silly if they didn't put it on ps4 in some aspect yeah, I mean, if, if those systems can run the game, I would definitely encourage Capcom to put it on there. Mm. Um, because, you know, I think from what from what we hear, the next-gen consoles are going to be expensive, right? Right, <laughs> right. And we're, we're, in a, we're in the middle of a very terrible recession, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't... I wouldn't think it's right to i would i wouldn't i wouldn't think the optics are good for forcing people to buy next-gen consoles when you don't have to right <laughs> so I right hope, right yeah uh you think but yeah i mean I, I, either way i think the game looks great and i can't wait to see what kind of twists that they that they're gonna throw at us i mean i i i, I did i did say earlier that you know I'm, I'm waiting to see what the twist is but i'm still pretty excited i think it's you What's know, your prediction? Those rumors are true. I, I think this could be the game where they finally get rid of Chris. I don't know. I just oh, feel like it's time. No. <laughs> well, they did, they did reference that. They did reference that at the start. It, uh, it said his story is coming to end. We don't know if that's Ethan's story. We don't know if it's Chris's story. That's that's the twist. That's, that's the da- dangling the carrot that they're doing to us. I'm so scared. That's, <laughs> that's the fascinating part because if you follow the coverage in Japanese, so a few weeks ago I tweeted uh, about the interview that Capcom's producers had with Famitsu and the trailer. Um, when 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 that man story comes to an end, appears with Japanese subtitles. They use, if I translate it into English directly, like this guy or this man's story, right? And they use that same um, verbiage to refer to Ethan in that interview, right? So if I only knew Japanese and I didn't know English, I would have assumed that that man is Ethan. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, can, can, I mean, it, it, it could just be an unintentional uh, translation. Thing. Uh, like, maybe they're just sticking to the easiest vocabulary they can come up with. Um, well, it's not a translation thing because, you know, it's the same word in Japanese. So that's why, it, you know, it, as far as Village is concerned, that man has been referred to as Ethan in the Famitsu coverage. But it could, it could still mean Chris. Who knows, right? A lot of stuff is still uh, think, up in the air. I don't think Ethan has much of a future after this game because I think that would be pushing it as far as their whole insistence of not showing his face is concerned, right? I think mm-hmm. I, I don't think I can I, I don't think I can deal with another Resident Evil game with a faceless protagonist, right? <laughs> so I do <laughs> I do think this is this. Oh, and but but they have been very forthcoming with the fact that this is the conclusion to the story that began in RE7. So right. I, do, I do imagine Ethan's story does come to an end. Uh, or at least it wraps up. Right. And, right. And there will be very little ambiguity after that. Whether that how that relates to Chris or not, I I mean, we don't know, right? Mm. He could he could get killed, he could retire, it could all be smoke and mirrors. Um yeah, it's hard it, to say. 
I, I, there's a, there, there's a rumor flying around that a ret- another returning RE character is in the midst of this, and we just it, it makes me it makes mm. me think so much more, and it also makes me uh, think you know like what has happened in between the events of seven and now where that we don't know that they're going to explain in eight. It just, yeah, it, that's a good question. We didn't, we didn't get a revelations three or anything like that to, we, or, right. or another movie, right. To contextualize what happened. We do know Ethan is the only person ever to have had sex, a uh, confirmed sex in a resident evil. Game, <laughs> he now has a child in resident evil. Right? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Barry, Barry and Wesker, Barry and, and Wesker. Oh, yeah, that's actually, yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah, they got kids. Yeah, <laughs> Wesker, yeah, Barry, Jake, could very much be a test tube baby. Full, we know. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, Barry's daughter I mean, more is pretty confirmed. <laughs> like you know, Chris, Chris is in his forties. I can't imagine he's a virgin. Right? Uh, well, I don't know. With all, with, with all those steroids, he could have been gone real sterile real quick. <laughs> I mean, they're all they're all pretty attractive people. Maybe, so. maybe, maybe that's the, maybe that's the sub that's the that's the uh, the subplot to Resident Evil Eight is uh, uh, Chris is killing Mia because because they they've actually had had coitus uh, had sex <laughs> so therefore that's not allowed in Resident Evil so uh, you had to put her out you had to put her down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, th- 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 my my gripe with Ethan as uh, uh, like that that makes me uh, go back to what you said like they're all pretty attractive characters. My gripe with Ethan is that he is like a potato. Yeah, he's just the average. Yeah. The average he's bland. Guy, I, I, whereas Chris and Jill and Leon and Claire, they all have these this depth and there's really good characters. And their Capcom has always been really good yeah, about their characters. It's, it's like it's like they never play Silent Hill game in terms of trying to figure out how to have an ordinary person, you know, be the, <laughs> the, the, the main character, right? It's, right. <laughs> it was actually. I mean, I don't. I don't dislike Ethan. I mean, I think. I think the whole point is that literally he didn't want this, but it came to him. Right. Um, right. And you know, so I think they they sold that really well. But a lot of his reactions are definitely a little, a little unnatural in terms yeah. of like. There is a person with a chainsaw chasing you. You're not screaming or panicking <laughs> right. or breathing deeply. You're just, you're just right? Like, he, if, he, if I came he, at he, you with a chainsaw, you'd be a little frightened, right? Right. And he's not even questioning, like, as to why his wife is here or anything, like, in the dialogue in between the scuffle between them two. He's just like, what have you become? Not like, what's going on here? What? Why Why are you like this? <laughs> Ethan, you're not asking the hard-getting questions, my friend. Sees a cop and he's like, I, "You gotta give me a gun. You, you, you gotta give me your gun." <laughs> well, no, <laughs> and, and he's, he's not, not giving only. any context to the cop either. You know, yeah, the the deputy. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just like, yeah, Resident Evil. Even though it's getting more and more realistic, there there are situations where you really do have to turn your brain off. Unfortunately, and Agreed. it. it I don't mean that in a good way. Uh, it's, I mean, sometimes if you want your escape, if you want your escapism, then yeah, that's fine. But RE7 was definitely kind of a funny game in that regard. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's really cool as like, as a, like an OG veteran fan, it brought me back. Uh, it brought me back real, real hard. I, I thought I wasn't going to like it. I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. I, Didn't have zombies. Cool. No. Needed five or six. <laughs> yeah, the game the game is almost four years old. Uh, it's three and a half years old now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time flies. Um, I think I think if we're to compare this generation to the first one, RE7 would have been the RE1 
like game and re2 right, remake would have right. been the re2 of the gen re3 exactly. remake would have been the re3 of the gen so we'll see if village turns out to be like re or code veronica or both right i do feel like it's starting to like if you look back at resident evil 2 remake it definitely borrowed a few elements from 1.5 even having uh what's her name i can't remember her name the uh secondary character from 1.5 her name is escaping me now and i'm i'm, I'm killing myself for it the Elza? uh Elza Walker, the Elza Elza. Walker. Um, so it even had the skin in re2 it did for me it borrowed a couple more elements from from 1.5 and i feel like yeah. almost resident evil 8 is doing that with resident evil 4 Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 3.5, the beta to that. I feel like it's borrowing a few elements from that. The whole hallucination, uh, the, the mm. almost almost um, supernatural element to Resident Evil 8 that I'm getting, mm. the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say that, um, I mean, I, I, would, I would imagine the original concept for Resident Evil 4, the, the 3.5 hallucination Correct. idea. I mean, I would say it's been possible technologically for a long time now. There's got to be a build um, somewhere. But but I would say that you know with with the upcoming next gen consoles and their their SSDs right that allow for very minimal load times like we saw with the Ratchet and Clank demo on the PS5 oh, yeah. trailer, you can instantly change worlds right with the press of a button in real time, and I think that is a very advanced version of what they were trying to do back in the day. So if if Resident Evil Village takes advantage of the of the next gen hardware uses their loading times to reduce using the uses their ssds to reduce loading times and you know get some very interesting hallucination effects in there then i think it would be really interesting because you know up until now whenever worlds shift there are those are mass loading times right like yeah like re5 sometimes sometimes you know when the videotapes start you have to load the entire thing and it takes like a minute or like in silent hill when the worlds morph you know it's 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 part of a cutscene ideally mm. you can you can achieve those hallucination effects without you know the bottleneck of voting times right so it'd be interesting that, to yeah, see where they go with that where, where they and, go with that idea in most recent resident games um uh, it, it has been apparent that they're really good at hiding loading times now super super like pros even mm. i would say uh like when yeah. you play resident Evil 7 now there's i don't think i can even the only loading Aside from the start, when you actually load into the game, I that like and that and when you bit, when but... you respawn from a death mm -hmm. as the only ones I can think of. Yeah. Do you remember in Revelations the the the, the rotating doors? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, those are yeah. those are really distracting. Oh uh, yeah. Our our engine was made to uh, to 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 get rid of that issue, so we should see yeah. a much better version of it next gen. What is your uh, what is your opinion? Um, For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided exceptional care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to give children and healthcare heroes a reason to believe this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org/holiday. Shop on eBay this holiday season to get more for your dough on stand mixers, mm. or get more for your buck on this season's hottest tech and gaming gear. And on eBay, you can even get more <gasps> bling for less cha-ching on jewelry. You can get more because you save more on premium brands with eBay's exclusive deals. Get more when you get it on eBay. 
going back into what you know this is going to be like the first gen original one uh one for seven and then two remake and three remake what is your uh opinion on the next remake in line for resident evil remakes uh it being four whereas um fans four? are have an outcry for code veronica yeah i think skipping code veronica in general is not a great idea because <laughs> um one, I think Resident Evil 4 needs a remake less than Code Veronica does. I agree. And I, I'm not I'm not sure what we can at least not having seen the remake of four, I'm just not sure what we can gain out of out of a remake like that. You know, Capcom, every every action-oriented Resident Evil game Capcom made after RE4, including five and the Revelations games and six, Operation Raccoon City, if you want to count that as well, Umbrella Corps. RE3 remake even like they've all been nowhere near as good as RE4. Right. And I don't think it's be and I don't think it's because they have to come up with their own set pieces. I just think it's hard to replicate a game like RE4 to the same degree. So the fact that they're going to try to remake it or they're they're rumored to try to remake it it, it it makes me worry because I just don't think that it's 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 just unlikely to be as good as the original. Do you think timing and, had something to do with it? The timing it was released. I, I believe so. I uh, we oh, mean the original game or yes, upcoming four um, original four. I would say that Resident Evil Four Remake is a convenient game to move on to after RE Three because it's different from Village. It's different from RE Two. It's different from RE Seven and even RE Three in the sense that it's 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 all action, right? And it's a very long game. So I do think it's Capcom trying to make that third, as I mentioned earlier, that third Resident Evil style, right? Mm -hmm. If they do Code Veronica right now, they'd have to go back to the horror focus, but that's been well covered in the last few years. So I think it makes sense for them to park the horror focus for a few years. Do, I mean, Village is still coming out, so it's not like they're parking it entirely, but do Village and then get RE4 out, do the action on there. And then, you know, in a few years when, when, all these Resident Evil games have come out and they want to revisit the horror focus again in third person. I do think that's that would be the time to go and make Code Veronica. So you don't think it, it, now's the time, even uh, fresh off the heels of Resident Evil 2 and 3 remake? Um, because especially since that, a lot of fans of the game have never actually experienced Code Veronica because they didn't know it was a mainline game. And whereas like, if they remade it, it, remade it with the same RE engine and photorealistic style, of Resident Evil 2 Remake. Mm. And the same thought as Resident Evil 2 Remake uh, as it is now, I think it it would sell exp exponentially, especially considering a lot of the fan base has not even experienced this story. And now they'll experience it in this new engine, in this new style with a whole new feeling. Mm. Um, I just... I mean, Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I do think a remake of Veronica is absolutely necessary. I do think um, it would do very well and I would love to see it, especially me, because, you know, Code Veronica was my first Resident Evil game. And even though it's not my absolute favorite, it's probably the one that that just kind of gives me certain feels, right? I mean, I assume that's got to be why Resident your name Evil is game. CVX Freak, right? I mean, exactly. Hey, right. Okay. <laughs> I, recently, I recently I recently played Code Veronica on the Switch. I ended up installing Homebrew on the thing. and Oh, <laughs> did you? Did you really? Yeah, yeah, because Capcom won't do it themselves, so I yeah. did it myself, right? <laughs> that's, awesome. Um, that's awesome. But 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 again, like if you know, Resident Evil Two is still a recent memory. So is Resident Evil Seven. Um, 
Village is very horror focused. So if they're going to release a fourth horror oriented Resident Evil game in as many years, I guess it's 2022, they'd release a next remake. I just think it would be too much of one style of Resident Evil and not enough of another. Right? So, I mean, I, I, I think that if Code Veronica, if they waited a few years, they won't burn out the horror Resident Evil too soon, right? Mm. So I think I think it's a I think it's a strategic. Um, okay, I could see that actually. Choice, I could right? see that yeah. because like you you got two remake, which is obviously pure. Like it it went off with the horror, you know. That's what we wanted. Then you got RA three remake, but which it wasn't really. It was more action oriented. You could obviously tell. Mm. Plus, and then they released Resistance, which is completely right. just an online game. Um, and now we got Village, but do you think Village is going to be more action-based then? I would guess it's probably going to be along the same lines as RE2. Mm. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we'll end up with an enemy that like that's like Nemesis that has a rocket launcher or a thrower. I don't think we'll get anything like that. Uh, I'm, I think it'll probably be on par with RE2 in terms of the the intensity of the action. Maybe, maybe even less, right? Right, so, yeah. Uh, depending, and especially with so much information still up in the air, we really don't know what kind of game this is going to be. Yeah, I don't think the enemies in that game will have guns in their hands. <laughs> right, but you know, but, I mean, uh, I forget who was telling me. I think it was Andy here. He was telling me that Capcom has the uh, mm-hmm. has the uh, has the a bad habit of throwing out uh, already set games and completely just rehauling it. Yeah, they're not afraid to do that. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah, they'll they'll rehaul some if 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 they if they wake up one day and they're like, yeah, no, they'll completely rehaul it. I mean, uh, what, what was it? The trailer he was showing me the other day of Resident Evil Revelations uh, launch mm. trailer was n- not the game that we saw that we came out in 3ds nope. at all. <laughs> nope, you know, nope, not at all. Right, that, that was just uh, that was filler to 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 fill the 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 lineup of the 3ds announcement back in the day 10 years ago actually yeah yeah so as we start to um as we start to wind this uh podcast i'm very grateful you stayed off for three hours i didn't there's so much knowledge here it's just been rude not to it is great uh, i really appreciate i really really, honestly does that sound really bad for you andy because it's it's the middle of the night for so i apologize for keeping (laughs) this no no problem at all so where can we find you uh, on on social media alex yeah, uh, I'm I'm on Twitter and Instagram under the same username, so okay. I'm, I'm very happy to to uh, if, if if people want to read what I tweet, and if people need to reach out to me, they can just send a tweet to me directly. Oh, awesome! And, uh, Instagram is that as well. Uh, exactly. Yes, okay. that's correct. I do have a website. I, I hardly ever update it, so I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't go there <laughs> if you didn't. If you don't have to. Uh, yeah, those would be the two main ones for sure. And I, I do have a Discord account. I have no idea what the name is. Uh, <laughs> but if people need to reach out to me for that, uh, I guess they can do that as well. Uh, awesome. So what I'd like to do yeah. just before we wrap here is um, I'm going to put up your uh, your your unbound um, uh, page here. And I've, I've, I've linked it to, for the live years and I'm going to link it for the, uh, for the podcast when we upload it on demand, but give me an elevator pitch. What are you doing with itchy tasty, the unofficial history of resident evil as a recap to this podcast. So my book 
chronicles the first uh, 10 or years of Resident Evil development history. I speak directly with the developers and I gain and I ask up their intentions about how they created Resident Evil games, why they made them, what challenges they face, how things changed over time, and how they look back at their ups and downs and their successes and failures. A lot of the information in the book is brand new and hasn't been real divulged in public until this podcast, rather. I did, I did, I did speak a lot about what's in the book uh, on this podcast today, which I was very happy to do. But I do think it's one thing to read the whole thing and, and, of course. and another to read, to, to hear about it, right? So I, I, I think it'll be very exciting. Uh, and I hope that people really enjoy it because I think it'll be very, I think it'll have a lot of nice sizes for people. As as diehard Resident Evil fans, it'd be it'd be really we'd be remiss not to, you know, look into something like this. I I can bet you that this I'll have a copy on my desk. Oh no, it goes without saying. Um, just to <laughs> recap you. the um the the uh, an estimated delivery date because at the moment it's currently being crowdfunded. But what when are you anticipating that this is gonna this is gonna hit it's, hit people? Well, this this is a bit different from Kickstarter in that there's no. There's no published, publicized end date to the funding. The end date will be whenever we're ready to move on to manufacture the first edition. And then we're going to cap it based on the number of pledges on. Uh, the book will be available for general release after. So you'll be able to buy it on Amazon. And there will be an ebook as well and an audio book after that. Um, but the book is done. I finished my part. Uh, the, the edits are done. Um, I do think I have one more edit that I'm waiting for from the publisher uh, that will have like all the various visual designs integrated into it. Uh, but yeah, it should be out by April. Uh, it, it's actually really time consuming to write books. I found out right <laughs> and get them checked. Like I, I just recently had a legal edit, and you know they they had to make sure that there was nothing in the book that can be considered as defamation or libel. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's an intricate process involved with a lot of people who are experts in their field. Right. And this was my first time writing a book. I'm not an actual author anymore. So there are a lot of uh, challenges, but I'm glad that the, the people that I worked with and plus the support of, you know, fans like you too and the uh, Resident Evil community as a whole, you know, they've been. You know their their interest in the project from the very beginning, and and their eagerness to you know pay for this book ahead of time without having seen anything. Uh, it, it it's really something I'm very grateful for, and I don't think this project would have happened without without the civic community. So thank you, and I apologize for the short delay, but I I hope it'll be worth it when it comes out. Oh man, I, man, we're we're happy to have that you're providing it. Trust me, the community is net as as very happy <laughs> yeah no this is gonna be this is, gonna this be is gold fantastic. right here <laughs> well thank you for your time alex and uh thank you thank to everybody you that's listened. Well. thank you to everybody that's yeah, listened this, was, this was fun to do and thank you for yeah thanks to the listeners yeah yeah and uh we'd, we'd totally love to have you on in future and we can we can dive Please. in we can proper deep dive into uh into Oh, wow. resident evils but i've been andy from biohazard classified this is the biohazard classified podcast have a safe day have a safe night and i'm sure we'll catch you all in the next one mm -hmm.
This holiday season, we all wish for hope and healing. Children and families who spend their holidays at the hospital deserve a reason to believe in first steps, in giggles, high fives, and hugs. For 150 years, Children's National Hospital has provided world-class care and groundbreaking research. Please donate today to help patients and healthcare heroes this holiday season. Visit childrensnational.org holiday. That's childrensnational.org holiday.